Not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time, featuring Joe C. Son of a gun. Matt Hayes. His balls are different in person. Mia O'Brien. I don't know what they're doing. And Leon Searcy, bringing you love, peace, and soul. Getting into a Friday, getting ready for the weekend. That last bit of football you saw last weekend, that's it. That's it. You might have to get into your Netflix, that my list that you set aside, or your Hulu, your Prime, whatever it might be, uh, but minus some ball, football, that is, this weekend. But there's plenty of other ones to get into. Big college hoop slate this weekend. Of course, Tiger back on the golf course and plenty more to get into. A Friday, big hair, heavy metal, and we get it cranked out. Now, uh, I, I, I know that we all go through a little bit of that that kind of football depressive state, and then that's why maybe the XFL, Leon, and the UFL, and it's actually going to be officially the UFL, but the USFL and all that, they, they all said, hey, we're going to come in in the springtime. We're going to give you something that you can get in on. You'll enjoy it. Nobody really paid attention to it. Football is your number one passion. Am I right? Absolutely. Am I right? Absolutely. Now, what are you going to do when you're – I'm just going to – I can't believe I'm saying this, Leon, seriously. When yeah. you're ballless this weekend, what are you going to do? Can you say that? Yeah, I don't even you know if I can. He said it's done. It's yeah. done deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a new drop, JJ. Right, exactly. Add it to the list. Uh, what are you going to do? He shot the free throws. Is in. Um, listen, I found myself at the watering hole watching – I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I yeah. found myself watching Monster Truck uh-huh. yeah. and up – the hill motocross. Yeah, so you are. And I found into- it interesting. I found it interesting. I had absolutely no idea what the <laughs> hell they were doing, but I took notice. Absolutely, while I'm puffing in between puffs, I'm watching that. That's that's all. That's all that's on. That's all that's on. Now Not part even- of that. Part of that. Yeah. Coach L taking a couple too many L's. Otherwise, I think you'd be on that Miami basketball bandwagon. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I, I, I peek a little bit into what Miami's doing basketball wise. Bas- the men's basketball team sucks right now. They're terrible. But right. the women's baseball the, starts today. That, that is true. So maybe and we've always had a yeah. decent baseball team. Yeah, but if I'm know, betting, if I'm betting my yeah. my money on what Leon's watching, it ain't that. It ain't that. Either. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. It's the so, association. So this is probably you know I know JJ's a big fan of the NBA. He loves mm-hmm. watching it. So this is probably the time I'll dip in my toe into the water of the NBA and kind of yeah. yeah. you know I'll follow my Lakers a little bit more intensely to see. And they'll break my heart like they always do. I was going to say, speaking of nothing yeah, to follow, uh, yeah. that, that, that's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, they end up breaking my heart. It's well, perfect La-La-Land. time. It's all-star break. So True. It's, it's just as the calendar turns in the, yeah. in the association. Mm-hmm. Ready yeah. to go. And don't forget to listen to RJ's Open Gym on Sundays at uh, 11 a.m. Okay. on uh, 1010XL. So now I got something to listen to. Now, now, so now it's officially ball season. Yeah, there you go. All it's right, so season. we'll just describe it. Uh, if you're nothing but a diehard football fan, you are ballless this weekend. Uh, what are you going to do? What is that uh, other passion, sport, whatever it might be? You can hit the text line. Designed by Lifetime and closes at 641-1010. Definitely jump in on that. And then there might be like a Netflix series or whatever. And we always like these recommendations because Matt will do the deep dive when it comes to some of these. Uh, it could be any of the subscription you, streaming you know why? You know no. what I started again while I was getting ready to die the last couple of days? Yeah. Mm. The Americans. The Americans mm, just the best. Just phenomenal. What, what is it, that? Man. Oh my! God. So did you? Are you watching? You did you jump back in or did no, you? No, from the beginning. I watched the whole the thing, beginning. but I'm starting yeah. from the beginning. Oh, wow. yeah. it's, that, that, was it's, what is it's, was the base? The concept is the Ruskies. You know, they send mm-hmm. people over to live as Americans, mm-hmm. have kids, and they infiltrate the U.S. and it's spies. And, oh really? Oh, you'll love it. It's phenomenal. Okay. It is good. 
It's okay. uh, Kerry Russell, Patrick. See, I can't think of his last Matthew name. Matthew Rice. Yeah, I, I I try not to take Matt advice and watching Netflix. Most of the stuff is very disturbing. <laughs> and he tells you to watch. I, I I was I was trying to watch that movie you told me. What was about? Um, it was something nightmare. What was it? Nightmare. American Nightmare. American Nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah. A three-part documentary yeah, on Netflix. I, I, listen, ten minutes into it, I was like, "This is too much for me." You couldn't watch really? it. Really? Couldn't watch it. Too much. It's not good for my listen, spirit. Listen, this is the softer side of surf. No, this no, is no soft side of surf. First of all, let me just get that right. No soft side of surf. You may be I'm ballless, saying, but you're that, not soft. Yeah, exactly. It just it didn't feel right. It, my spirit didn't feel right while I was watching. I said, "I had turned." Did you get spooked? I did. I did. I had to okay, watch now it. you're. I love that. that. My spirit didn't <laughs> feel right. <laughs> They feel right. They feel right. All right, let's head to that. Uh, this may this may or may not spook you. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We may be without football for the first weekend this calendar year, but you know the NFL never sleeps. Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is being suspended two games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substances policy, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. The policy violation is related to him using a prescribed medication without having a valid therapeutic use exemption. Ian Rappaport taking that report one step further, saying that the end of the Jimmy Garoppolo era in Vegas, sources confirm, as he is headed for a two-game suspension, will not appeal, and will be released by the Las Vegas Raiders. So does that mean he was like in a dark room with, with Aaron Rodgers, or what does that mean? Hey, his marijuana card expired. That could have been. That could have been it. Or it could have been. Or I actually don't think they get in trouble for that anymore yeah. because no, of the no. new CBA. They, yeah, they especially really? when it's okay. legalized in so many True. places. And I know they still technically test for it, but anyway, well, when they hit him with two games, little, little yeah. Surprise. Well, I mean, listen, if you've been injured as much as he's been injured throughout he his has. career, and he feels that he can make one more run at it, and whatever he needs to take to get him back together mm-hmm. then you know two games doesn't seem that much so this it? is the right. official like what he tested for i guess mm-hmm. it had to be a stimulant a diuretic or a masking agent i'm into all those but then Honestly. he needed this therapeutic exemption card for them <laughs> yeah. so i guess because it was doctor prescribed whatever mm-hmm. he was taking even though technically it's against league policy mm-hmm. interesting I, you're, I wait, to, you're into the diuretic? I'm into all of them. But we, um, I, I went to do my blood work, and and they said that you you're, you you might be dealing with a slight bit of anemia. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I eat nothing but protein. I got iron running through me. And they're like, well, the only other thing it could be is that you might have drank too much water coming in for your, for your labs. I'm like, uh, Yahtzee, that's what it was, because I was just trying to fool them. Yeah. I, oh, heck yeah! I want. I want my my A one C is up there. My triglycerides are up there. I'm trying. I'm just trying to do whatever I can. I'm watering it down as much as possible. And the diuretic is uh, a blood pressure medicine or whatever. So you get in trouble by TLD if you, your blood work is not right. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> uh, you okay. better believe I it. Know that. Because believe it or not, she wants me to stick around a while. I can't oh, figure yeah. it out. She raised the life insurance policy on me, but she still actually wants me to stick around, which is it's a mystery to me. It's mm-hmm. a mystery, but. If that's what he was doing, then he was trying to keep from something else being seen. Well, he's, I mean. Masking agent, diuretic. They're just trying to get that stuff out career, of your body. He's late in his career, okay? He's late yeah. in his career. Yeah. All right? Your, your choice is, do you want to make four or five or six million dollars being a backup yeah. or being a starter somewhere? And, and to do that, you have to risk cheating? Or do you want to just not be able to make a team because you're injured? Yeah, and, and just think it's, about it's it. A, I mean, it's a very good bet for any of these guys mm-hmm. yeah. late in your career. And there was a time. 
when Jimmy Garoppolo went healthy, his win percentage was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Now let's include one very important thing. He was on a good football team. He was either with the Patriots or he was with the San Francisco 49ers, the majority of his career with the 49ers. A lot of good around him. And I don't remember the number, but we would throw it out, Matt, quite often that he was something in the neighborhood, and I'm just making up a number right now, but in the neighborhood of like 31 and 17. Yeah. I mean, he had a pretty dang solid yeah. record. And then you go to Vegas, you go to the Raiders, you look around, well, you're like, oh, stop, wow. stop while you're ahead. Yeah, you, exactly. go, you go to Vegas, yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and, and there wasn't nearly as much good around him, and it cost uh, him his starting job, Kosh McDaniels his job. Uh, and so anyway, bottom line is, is he's bounced. And heck, Aiden O'Connell wasn't the worst thing that happened to him. Not like mm -hmm. he's this over-the-top good quarterback, but he ain't the worst thing that, that happened to him. Now, the guy that came into the league this year, J.J., do you have that C.J. Stroud uh, sound? Let me know if you got it because the guy that came into the league this year and would be easily one of them that kind of turned it on its ear was the play of C.J. Stroud at quarterback, and he's even getting mention, love for MVP talk next year because of the way he played. Well, you, you got to hear this because this is Fred Taylor – and company sitting down on their podcast. C.J. Stroud is their guest, and C.J. Stroud decides to go in on Freddie T. because Freddie T. went in on him about Ohio State not winning a natty. It is tough to to look back and be like, man, like we we should have won it all. Like, yeah, no duh, but like sometimes it just doesn't shake like that, you know. So, well, where did you go? I went to Florida. Come on, man. What is we talking about? I mean, but I <laughs> went what? But CJ. I'm thinking he went to Bama or something. CJ, CJ. What nah, are we talking CJ, about? CJ, but you say you talk about the window. Too. Look, Come on, what are we talking about? Y'all, we won no national championships. We did too. What do you but want to I'm talk just, about? I'm talking about. Yeah, let's talk uh, about the recent. In the last eight what years. What have y'all done? Nothing. So it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to fight. LSU is maybe the only one of the only teams. They only did one good year. Look, I'm, I'm gonna lay down when I have to. Yeah, I can't come on. I'm fight. thinking you went to Bama or something. Like, what are you talking about? Hey, you, you got to appreciate the back and forth. But man, he was dissing Freddie T. He you was. Can't do that. He, he, he was dissing. I, I, very disrespectful. I didn't like that. <laughs> but you, you know what Freddie should have done? He should have took off his belt and gave him a spanking. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. a lot of these young cats, they say, "What are you doing here and now?" But listen, there's no expiration date on greatness. Fred was great at like his that. time, yeah. all right? And respect that. That man, that man, listen, I tell you what, that Ohio State team that he was on, he played that Spurrier team in 96, they would have got smoked. Yeah, exactly. They would have got smoked. Yeah. Right, but you, but you, you, can only, you can only speculate because they'll never play. But listen, I like the kids' moxie. Mm -hmm. I, I like the fact I like it and I don't like it. I like but the I fact, love that the fact that he got – Yeah, I like the fact that he went in on free. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on, on, the, on the surface, it's, yeah. you know, it's a nice little dig on the Gators, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. But the deep undertones of it, that dude's a dog. Well, that's that shows passion. Oh. It shows his it shows his desire to like fight. That's a leader, man. That's a winner. But what cracked me up more than anything else is Freddie T. When when C.J. Stroud says the last eight years, what y'all done? You know that type of stuff. And Freddie's like, I, I can't really, I can't, I can't. Right, I, I got. He said, he said, so, I got to lay down on yeah, this. Is what yeah, he said. He, he said, he, like all of a sudden, you're asking me to defend Billy Nopier, uh, or as another one suggested to mm -hmm. me yesterday. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Billy Vanilli, because he's a little bit of a fraud, <laughs> and so. It ain't easy to defend that. And so what, when you ask Freddie to defend what, it, he's like, well, all right. What Fred should have said is tell Ohio State to stay out of the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. That's what he should have said. Or he yeah. should have said, we've never lost to Ohio State. How that about part that? Right. Yeah. That, that part, too. That you know, part. Yeah. Beat you by, what, 27 with one time you played for the national championship. A couple game. of good beat bumps. You, beat you with a 6-6 six and six team with Will Muschamp. Yeah. C.J. Stroud mm -hmm. was, what, 
four years old when yeah, that happened. That's that's the living in California. It also that's goes the thing, to the point that Joe yeah. brings up all the time, which is these recruits don't hey. care about yeah, any safe. history no, whatsoever. If they you don't get even beyond, know. It. If you get beyond a recruiting class, which well, now Florida is three recruiting cycles away from what they used to be, four yeah. recruiting cycles away. You get that far away. The guys you're recruiting now have no idea about Florida history. Yeah. And, None. And, and listen, I, I, I agree with JJ. A lot of these kids don't even don't know the history, don't care to know the history, but they don't understand that the foundation in which you lay your head mm-hmm. had a lot to do with people before you. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't disagree true. with you, but did you hear what he yeah. initially said? He said, oh, I thought you were from Alabama. Yeah. And then he said, or even LSU. He's thinking of what is the big SEC school. Sure. Yeah. He's not even thinking Florida. Well, but, but also and, goes, I, and I got news for you. That's every other high school kid now, too. Yeah, They're not it, even thinking Florida. But it goes right back to Leon's point. He decides to sit down on the pivot, and he's got, I would call it, football royalty he around does. him. Oh, yeah, of Be course. it college or the NFL. H-O-F, Florida H-O-F yeah, around him. Yeah, and doesn't really care about finding out who he's sitting down with. Because well, he, that's the story of my life. No he, respect. Yeah. No respect. <laughs> because he's the stud. He's the one that got invited into the room instead of mm-hmm. him inviting them into the room. And so I, But I always joke that for a recruit, his history is about two and a half years, from the time he's mid-sophomore until he goes to wherever mm-hmm. he's going to go. That's his history. And then when you get in the NFL – then you got a little more of an appreciation for what went on in your, in your college football world, but it only dates back to when you stepped on the college football field. When he, what he needed to be worried about was his sophomore slump. That's what he needed to be worried about. Yeah, yeah. He had a great year. Yeah, I put it on him. Yeah, he's in our Why division. Why you put that I, yeah, on Yes, him. I did, because he's in our division, and we want to win Thank it. Thank you. I'm saying sophomore slump. Thank That's you. right. I said it. Yes. I yeah, love he's that. He's a player. Though, I don't man. care. Speak don't it. Care. He's, Speak he's it into existence. Enemy. Exactly. Because guess what? <laughs> I understand that we're judged on dubs on this show, and that's the mantra we live by here on XLP. I think Trevor Lawrence knows where Fred Taylor went. I think he knows where Ryan Clark went to school. Yeah, probably a little more of a sense of history. Not that that matters, because I know there's plenty of you driving around saying, okay, Mia, you Trevor Homer, you Trevor Apologist. I'm just saying, do your research. But like if you match if you match it well, up with what Matt said is that you know just just the dog in him is like he doesn't yeah. care who's in his way. And, and I, I, li- I like that moxie about. Yeah, him. I, All right. I, 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 I And as for and I think it comes it can come for, off as something it, else. It can too. come off as a little cocky. And, 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 and I'm okay. With, I I I, I, I oh, arrogant. I can I can do. I can no. I can live with that. Long as you listen. I play with a lot of cocky players. All right. Long as it show up on the field Sunday, I'm good with it. Hell you can yeah. talk the talk, walk, but as long walk as you're not the walk. turn the ball over. Exactly. Talk the Hell talk and yeah. walk the walk. Yes. You know. But then when when you stop walking the walk, I'll be there at your door knocking. Mm-hmm. Just 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 so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys jump in on that. Let us know what you think. Six four one ten ten. It's going to be getting closer and closer to making some free agent decisions. It's going to be a real important decision, which has been, of course, debated on this show and many other shows on 1010XL as far as what's going to happen with Josh Allen. That's the first big – it's not necessarily the first biggest move because we don't know exactly what this timeline looks like, but it's still the biggest move mm-hmm. that this football team needs to make. And you're hoping that Trent Baalke has that list, to-do list, in the offseason and Josh Allen's name is at the tip-top of it and trying to figure out exactly what's going to go. If you start thinking about worst case scenario, could this be a long, protracted, uh, what's a good way, uh, angry Ugly. negotiation between these two sides? It, 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 I, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't because, well, Josh Allen's at least made the indication that he doesn't want to go anywhere, which is and a And the good news is, is that he's spoken to new defense coordinator Ryan Nielsen. J.J., if you could cue up number eight from Ryan Nielsen's introductory presser yesterday in which he said not only – 
Does he believe in Josh Allen and mm-hmm. Josh Allen even taking it a step further from his 17 and a half sack season this past year? He believes that Josh Allen will be here for the long term. Yeah, I mean, a lot of production, right? Very important. And so when you got a guy like that and, and uh, I mean, you want him back and think that's going to work out, uh, would be really excited that works out. Uh, really excited to work with him. Her, nothing but great things. Talk to Josh and, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been fantastic, and so that'll get worked out. Get him back and and get him get him going, and and hopefully get him into improve. That's the ultimate goal, right? Just take one. If we can just get that much better next year, really, what does that look like? That's pretty exciting, right? And so that's kind of what we we want to work towards. Yeah. So the bad news is that he's getting tagged, unless by some miracle in the next month mm-hmm. a long term deal is negotiated between now and then. The good news is that they probably get a deal done, I would hope, at some point before camp opens in late July because by tagging Josh Allen, you extend that negotiating window, which some might look at Trent Baalke and say, you're lazy, you should have been negotiating already. Why do you need this extra four months? And I think the caveat to all of it is, let's say you tag Josh Allen, so number one, now you're hamstrung in negotiating contracts with other free agents because your cap structure is contingent on that cap number for an edge rusher, which is a primo price. And then number two, let's say some lesser edge rusher or even, I don't know, a top 10 rusher and a Daniel Hunter goes out and gets $35 million a year on the open market. And now Josh Allen says, okay, the price just went up. Now you need to match that. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's difficult because sure, you're giving yourself more time to hammer a deal out. And Trent Baalke has been adamant that he doesn't do deals during the season. But a lot of other things could happen outside of your control that now directly impact how this deal will eventually look once and if it is to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope Josh gets all of his money. Absolutely. I hope he gets the 30, whatever, because this team is I hate, that's why I hate the tag. But listen, you, you collectively bargained for what, man? I hate yeah. it because you knew this organization knew by sack 10 that they, they, had to, they had to sign him to a new deal. They mm-hmm. had, they had, I don't know when he did it. But to say that you'd have you don't like doing negotiations during the regular season, I mean, then I tell you what, if he had gotten hurt, I tell you what, the negotiations would have been then. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So they would have. Oh yeah, pressed their thumb on it. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I hope I hope Josh gets all his money because he bet on himself, absolutely bet on himself. Because I'm sure they tried to get a deal done before the season, and that's the reason why he was holding out. And they they talked him to come in and say we're going to get. Look, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it. Mm-hmm. Organizations do lie to you. I know the people yeah, out there yeah. are gasped, but they do. They do lie. They do lie to you. It, 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 both sides, and it's like I always try, and I totally appreciate your side of this because mm-hmm. you are get, gunning for as much cash as you can get. Yes. Because you're only going to be around for a short amount of time. This team's going to be around for forever. as long. You know, they hope for they hope forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time. It doesn't matter. You have a great year. You're going to hold them up for a little bit more if you can. Mm-hmm. And if you have a down year, they're going to hold you up. Yeah. Yeah, if he had a down year or if he got hurt, I tell you, the negotiations there would have been no negotiations. Right, you take it or leave it. That's what they would slide said. that paper over, and you have to be good with this. That, that's why I'm, I'm so glad that he 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 finished the season healthy and had an outstanding year. Yeah, and you got to fight the idea that uh, oh, there's a player out there that's worth thirty million. That's the going rate. Okay, that's what yeah. this you have to accept. Mm-hmm. And this salary cap is bumped up big enough where. They need, and Trent Baalke knows that he needs to have that money set aside for him. Take a look at the pass rushers, take a look at the quarterbacks, and take a look at the left tackles. And it is sky high in terms of the amount of yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, where do you, if you think you're going to get a guard in free agency, what do you see what you pay for that? Yeah, and that's gone up 
Price-wise. Yes, of course. Yeah. It, naturally so. And when you look at Spot Track, they definitely break it down as far as the positions that you've already put your money in and who you got inked and, and all that type of stuff to kind of show you. Because you got to remind <laughs> yourself, you got to spread this money out. you got to sign all those players. And, and I know some fans out there that are saying, that why, why does he have to take 30? I mean, if he takes less, he can get that. That's not his job to take right. less. No. It's their job to find the money. Right. It's his job to make the money. And I'll just uh, remind everybody that Pat Mahomes is one of the highest paid creatures in the National Football League. Mm. So is Chris Jones. And the Chiefs figured out a way. Mm. And the Chiefs went out and drafted guys and got guys to come in and play with less money. Now, LeJarrius Sneed and McDuffie and all these guys, and Jones for that matter, they're all going to get lined up again to make their money. But that team figured it out, and so does San Francisco when they deal for mm -hmm. a Christian McCaffrey or Trent Williams or whatever the case is, and they go out there and they, and they have to toss to the side a trade that they moved up to get in Trey Lance and then go in, and now they got the bargain of all bargains with Mr. Arrell. That's where they're it at. Can, it can be done under the cap if it's done right. If it's done, I mean, you see it all the time with these teams. How do the Niners keep that core that they have, mm -hmm. right? It, you, how do the Bills keep their core? It's starting to fall, fall apart, but how does that happen? Right. Because they know what they're doing with the cap. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – Leon, you, I think your whole point is, you know, your players, the unwritten rule between players is stay out of my pocket. My pocket, my pocket. Your pocket, your pocket. Exactly. And it's not up to these to the players to worry about each other's pockets. It's up to the owners to figure out how to give the players what they need. Yeah. And if they're all winning and they're that close and they think that they can have a collective conversation, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If that's how they do it, if that's how they choose to do it. But you don't need someone coming to you from the front office and saying you need to give up some so we can give it to the other guy. Mm -hmm. And, and let me, let me another thing is that – the Jaguars, well, the team collectively did him a disservice not making the playoffs. You're making money in the playoffs, too. If he had to go up against whoever in the playoffs and shine, and shine and got a sack and a half there, and they say they win that game, then they go divisionally. I mean, I'm just saying, he's going to get his money, but I'm saying that, you know, last impressions right. is lasting impressions. He might have been a 20-sack cat. If you go back exactly. and you think of Dante Fowler, in that run in mm -hmm. 17, I'm pretty sure that those sacks, those real important sacks came in the postseason against Roethlisberger, against Brady, mm -hmm. and, and that helped obviously ratchet up his mm -hmm. value. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you there. All right, you guys let us know. Now, one thing Ryan Nielsen said yesterday, which is interesting, and let's pair this up with the 17-and-a-half sack total that Josh Allen had, with Ryan Nielsen coaching up the Falcons' defense for a year, and it was decent, it wasn't great, but it, it was, it was on, the high, on the upper end. Zero players with seven sacks. But a bunch of guys got to the quarterback. They had more sacks in Atlanta than Jacksonville had here. So is he going to be able to dial it up for more guys? So let's get into that coming up. Just a little bit more from him, and then let's start talking a little more free agency because we're going to uh, creep closer and closer to some of these big decisions this team's going to have to make. A big hair heavy metal Friday. Let us know what uh, is cranking in your brain. If you're starting to celebrate Friday, you can give us any good rock and roll. Throw it at us, 641-1010. It's XL Primetime. The Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday on XL Primetime. We will talk about it. We will briefly talk about it on this Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday edition of XL Primetime because Taylor Dahl expected me to do a whole segment on it this show, but we won't go a full segment. Round of applause, JJ. 
Caitlin Clark, officially the NCAA women's all-time leading scorer as of last night, also set the Iowa single game record with 49 points. Probably could have hit 50 if they kept her in. I met Caitlin Clark for the first time in 2018 at the high school state tournament. One of my colleagues from Des Moines pointed her out to me, said, there she is, top five recruit in the country, dropping 40 a night. And I said, that five foot six skinny little girl over there? Mind you, I'm 5'2". She dropped about 40 points in that state quarterfinal and now has never looked back. Our thanks to Caitlin for all she has done for not just women's athletics, not just college athletics, but truly, I think, in this NIL era. And I said this to Steve Griffin, our general manager, this morning. I'm not sure we've ever seen, and again, I understand you all want to point out my bias, and that's fine. I don't think we have seen, and part of this is because of the NIL era, we have not seen a college athlete who, when they set a record, when they are doing what they are doing on a basketball court or a football field or wherever it may be, the outpouring of recognition from all walks of life, she's getting shout-outs from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. She's getting a shout-out from former President Barack Obama. Tom Brady put together a compilation congratulatory video. And I think it speaks to a larger picture, yes, of the NIL deals that Caitlin Clark has with State Farm and Nike, et cetera, et cetera. But I also think we can bring it to a larger picture of what this is doing for college athletics. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's just a positive because it gives a little more visibility to a sport that didn't necessarily have all the <clears throat> visibility. It may not be the most popular sport out there for everybody, but still – she balls. That's what she does. Yeah, well, listen, I've always been a fan of, of women's basketball. I, I, I've been a women's basketball fan since Pat Summit. I used to love Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee used to roll through it. I used to watch it all the time. So I'm not new to it. So I, I like the rivalries, you know, that people are getting they, – they're getting accustomed to. But I, I've been used to them because I, I've been a fan for so long. I, I, the Iowas, the South Carolinas, the, mm-hmm. the LSUs, all that kind of I, – listen, I'll – I, I anticipate that tournament as much as I anticipate the men's tournament because of the the, the host, the different characters in those. That's different good. T- oh, absolutely! I'm going to watch it for sure. Yeah. The star I like power. Her. I yeah. like her because she competes. I love mm-hmm. watching her. Yeah, and she's she will compete. Um, she's she has. We talk about like Steph's range. There's literally no shot she a won't take and b can't hit. Mm-hmm. The the shot that set the record was from the logo. Mm-hmm. From the tip of the logo, for God's sakes, it was thirty-five feet. Yeah, the range, and it is... was, and it wasn't like something that banged in or anything. Yeah. It was just net. Yeah, the and range of these players. She's is like... well, she's just—I mean, her shot is ridiculous. She can pull up. She doesn't need to be framed to shoot either. She can shoot off. You know, Had a one double leg. double too. Yeah, and I mean, she's—I love watching her compete. That's as much as anything. That's what it's about for me, and I think it's awesome for how she's raising the awareness of women's basketball. I think that's great, but I look at her. Honestly, as as purely, and I have three daughters. I look at her as an athlete. She competes her ass off when she goes out there. Did you like yeah. what she said post game? No. First thing she said, yeah, you know, super cool to break the record. I'm so proud of my team. We need to play better defense, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still want more, points. which is good. And, and you know, the Steph Curry influence is not unlike the Tiger Woods influence yep. because it crosses. Uh, it expands generations and crosses male, female, whatever, because every kid picking up a club or every kid picking up a basketball is like, that's the type of player that, that I want to be. And Steph just kind of got them all believing. Yeah. I, you know, the interesting thing is that as a fan, you see the end result of her breaking the record. 
But just think about how many hours she spent in the gym oh. shooting basketball. Yeah. Oh. I mean, people, we get to see the end result. Yeah. All right. Of her breaking that record. You don't know the amount of time it's and like, effort and getting up in the morning that she was in the gym shooting yeah. them shots. Yeah. Miss, it's like miss, Tiger. Miss, when you talk them. about, we yeah. go and see the end result with Tiger. And, or Steph Curry mm-hmm. or, or whoever, all the all-time greats. And we just, we, we're in awe of it, but the time and effort and the energy you know put into that. She's yeah. like a combination of Rip Hamilton and Steph yeah. because she moves like Rip on the court. She does everything she can do to get over. Rip Hamilton, shots. really good player. Yeah, yeah. I, but a Rip Hamilton, also a guy, wasn't the biggest dude mm-hmm. in the NBA, could get pushed around, but yeah. got open because he kept running. Yeah. Kept getting open. Another thing that she mentioned in the post game, and as we kind of pair this as well with the C.J. Stroud, Fred Taylor conversation on the Pivot podcast, she was asked by the sideline reporter post game if you could go back and tell six-year-old Caitlin that this happened, what would she say? And she said, I mean, I don't think she'd be surprised because she was working really hard then. Mm-hmm. And I think oh. that that is a cultural shift, and I don't think that's her <laughs> being cocky. I think that's to what Leon said. I think that it is a cultural shift to – not have to deflect your accomplishments to actually own it and be like, yeah, I worked really hard, and now I get to walk walk the walk and talk the talk. Well, it's no problem when you put in the work. There's no problem with thanking you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no problem with it. you got a couple bars today. I'm just saying, it's yeah. no problem with thank you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when you go for acceptance speech and you say, hey, listen, I like thank myself. You know why? Because – it, it was it was moments in time, I and mean, you you can read it in my book Fourth Down the Dam, you know, Lima Story and Amazon. It was a lot of times when I when I was training, you know, before I even played football. It was a lot of times I could have just sat home, right, and not not ran. Well, you, or you know, but I did anyway. Yeah, and it's the thing you told us, especially with Don Solinger and Coach Campbell on here the other day, as soon as you walked on the campus, you looked around and go, "Oh my God!" I was intimidated. How am I going to keep up with this? How am I going to keep up? Work. Work. No, no substitute for it. Yeah. And if I could just give one more shout out. Um, for me, it's emotional, not just, again, take the Iowa part out of it. But for me, when I was working out there. Even though you're wearing Iowa. We can yes. never take yeah. the Iowa right. part out of it. No, okay. no, but I, I do want to take that. Clear. Yes, yeah. correct. But because I was working out there. And this was when Lisa Bluter has been the head coach for 23 years. They've gone to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And I believe it is 15 of those 23 years. Mm-hmm. And then they went to the NIT in five of them. They've mm-hmm. only missed the postseason three times. And one of those NIT years was one of the years I was there. And so I'm 23, 24 years old. And Lisa took me aside and said, I don't think you realize how important it is for my girls for you to be here and working and the fact that you have this working relationship with them and it's so empowering for them. And I looked at her and I was like, I'm just a 23-year-old kid. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really know what you're talking about. She said, no, like, just by being you and doing your job and not pounding your chest and saying, I'm a woman, look at me. Like, that and just carrying yourself the way you do is so important. And I think now – obviously I've, you know, aged about seven years since then, but also I think seeing how Caitlin carries herself. It's not about being a woman. It's not about being a man. It's about doing what she's doing and realizing that by just being herself, she's opening so many doors for young girls. And also, which I think is where Lisa Bluter deserves so much credit as the head coach of the Iowa women's basketball team, it sounds so easy to say, I'm going to take, and this goes for college football too, Matt. You could speak to this. It sounds so easy to say, I'm going to take the top-rated recruit in the country because they're going to instantly make my team better. That's very easy to say. But with a player with Caitlin Clark's skill set, she doesn't take 50 shots, contrary to what Cheryl Swoop said. She takes about 20 per game. But she has to have the ball in her hands, and she has to pull up from the logo because it's part of her range. And for a coach who wants her team, like Lisa Bluter does, to average between 15 to 20 assists per night, 
and to accept I have to change who I have philosophically been as a head coach for the last 19 years because I have this player coming in. It sounds so easy on the surface to say, you know what, I have this gifted athlete and I have to shift my entire I'd run it through (laughs) Right, but but at the same time, to philosophically still hold your team to the standard of this is a team sport. Yes, we have Caitlin, but this is a team sport. Uh, The one that I can kind of relate it to would be the Baltimore Ravens when Lamar Jackson arrived. They had been running a certain system with Joe Flacco, and they recognized, you know what, we have this talent who we can't be doing what we were previously doing, and maybe some concessions have to be made philosophically with how we operate our offense to showcase that well, player's Yeah, because L- Lamar was 180 degrees opposite of Joe Flacco. He was Mr. Dynamic with the football and his feet working at the same time, and Flacco, statue, that's what he was before he became the Flaccosaurus that Jeff Prosser named him. Uh, he was a, he was a statue back then, but Black Greg Roman, give him credit. They looked around, and John Harbaugh, give him credit. They said, "You better craft something for this cat. You better make sure that we get every drop out of this dude's skill set, and make sure you can do it." Which I think is actually what Ryan Nielsen said yesterday. Yep. We're gonna do we're gonna do what works for the player, get the most out of him with Trayvon Walker. Right. You know, you're, is he gonna play inside? Is he gonna play outside? We're gonna find out what he does best. And then we're going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I know that's a shock to everyone to hear that, but that's right. typically how coaching works. You find out what your guys do the best and help them reach their ceiling at what they do their best instead of pushing into something that they may not do so well. Right, and it's the classic square peg, round hole, and heck, you can go back to Urban in Gainesville when he was trying to make Johnny Brantley a spread option runner, one of the dumbest things a head coach could do and he was just trying to keep his offense rolling and that guy didn't fit and so he forced him out but at the same time when you get to this level if you're going to draft somebody you better make sure that they're going to give you what you envision in them in the defense or offense that you're running and so Ryan Nielsen like let's just use Trayvon Walker as an example JJ throw us that soundbite uh, when you got it but Trayvon the question was asked, will he play inside? And and he made a good point as far as what he's seen so far of Trayvon and not to be so quick to judge where he belongs 100% of the time. Here's kind of our philosophy with the players is, is we're going to put the player in a position that he can have success first over the scheme. And so we're going to evaluate everything that he does well. And then if he can rush inside, then we'll put him inside, Gene. If He's more of a better outside rusher. We'll keep him outside. Yes, we've evaluated those things, but 10 snaps is not enough to say that, yes, he can do that or he can't do that. And so we'll, we'll identify that once we get to OTAs. And, in, you know, and, and so it, it, the process is, is never ending. You know, and and we'll, we'll put our guys in the best positions for them to have success, and then ultimately we will have success on defense and as a team. The specificity of the 10 snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, incredible. That was, that was a shot. He also knew yeah. Gene's name. Well, yeah, so Ryan did. Nielsen went around mm-hmm. the press conference and introduced mm-hmm. himself to each of us. And, of course, uh, someone had an extra well, long off, conversation Well, first off, of course he knew Gene's name, J.J. The legend. That's a given. That is That's the John. columnist to you, J.J. LaSalva. <laughs> I love you Ryan Nielsen, say that, J.J.? Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah. from the mustache, I love it. And, he loves, that, right and he loves Ed Ogeron. We need to get him on primetime. He's yeah. immediately a friend of the program. Yeah, we absolutely got to get Eddie O to talk yeah, about. He names uh, Eddie O, Pete mm-hmm. Carroll, and Sean Payton as influences in his coaching life. And those are... Those, that's some bravado uh, running through those jeans. Well, that, we, listen, that's a man who's watched film. Yeah, yeah he, ten snaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that that could also be a shot at the, who just left. Mm-hmm. You got this amazing talent. Yeah. you've only utilized him ten times inside. So because I, you, I, I looked at it both ways. Yeah, as a man who's watched film, and that's a man who took a shot. 
at the, the previous. And you know as well. well. I mean, it's also like, but I, I don't. It, it, but is Mike Caldwell a guy who makes that decision, or is that a Trent Baalke decision? Uh, no, no, not when no. it comes to where you're putting him. Snap, snap wise. Uh, Trent, I don't listen, know, Trent, man. Trent I don't know. wants to be like. As much as I love Dog and Balky, he is not getting in that meeting room and saying you need to create. You're the some same staff. guy who said he's walking around yeah. with whistle around his neck. He Are you is. Kidding me? He is, but he ain't going he's in the there GM telling of the team. Like he now, you think he's telling Brinson Buckner, that that defensive line coach at the time. Not the Brinson I know. No. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Now look, Balky would like. Brinson's well, still here. I'm gone. gonna. No, he's not. He's gone. I can't wait to unveil. Maybe he ain't blew his whistle enough. Maybe. That's or maybe like, he wasn't wasn't taking what was given to him. Uh, my whole thing is, like, I, I think this guy's got his hands on a lot more than you guys think. Well, I can't wait to unveil, and I'm trying to decide exactly what it's going to be, but it's going to be a weekly, maybe during, I don't know, OTAs, training camp, whatever. And I'm thinking Trent Talky as opposed to Trent Balky. Trying to figure out exactly uh, how we're going to unveil him. but I think it's we drafted him to be an outside rush linebacker and yeah. an odd front. That's where I want him. Yeah. Well, That's Coach, I think yeah, it was. Coach well, Campo ran a – a bunch about get him inside on down and distance situations to that point. So I agree. Clearly mm. we saw at Georgia, what he can do inside. And I agree with Ryan Nielsen that 10 snaps is a small sample size. And I also agree that Trent bulky wants him on the outside, but I also look at Dewan Smoot, Taven Bryan, very different player, but those are two guys in recent history that this franchise has tried to play at four or five different positions along that defensive front. Dewan Smoot literally lost 50 pounds, had to gain 50 pounds back, went vegan. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that would have to happen to Trayvon Walker, but the guy did just go out and spend the last two years focused on becoming a great outside linebacker, edge rusher, got 10 sacks, and now are we going to ask him to completely change his game again, snip, snap, snip, snap, in the words of Michael Scott? No, I don't disagree with you. I I think he's, he's now showing improvement. Right. He's now showing an ability to play the position. Don't screw it up now. Yeah, and I do think body type-wise, he just needs to keep what he's doing. Get stronger, stay fast, learn, uh, improve on your technique. And then that outside rusher body, when he does go inside, think of Chris Jones. Has Chris Jones changed his body to go outside? Answer is no. And you can think of Calais Campbell is the classic example. Yeah, Calais played inside and outside. Yeah, yeah. and so – It was effective both of them. Yeah, I just think he's he, he <clears throat> could turn into that type of guy. I mean, listen, you're talking about a, he's 6'6", six, six, right? 6'5", six, anyway. 6'5", 6'6", yeah. six, six, 275. He's long, he's lengthy. I mean, he could be a nightmare for any guard mm-hmm. with his quickness and elusiveness. And he could. But he could. So could a guy – like, I mean, if you want somebody with a nightmare for a guard, just draft Johnny Newton in the first round. True. Mm-hmm. But just, but, but, okay. I mean, I don't understand it. Like, but, you know, draft somebody and develop him. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But well, you can also ran out and got Tyler. You can Wilson. also don't factor in. You also factor in Value, if you've got Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker on one side rushing. That could that could be a, that could be a little. You and know. I think you could do it on stunts. We stunts. saw it. We saw it exactly. two years ago. We saw it in twenty twenty two. And yeah. I think Coach even said. Yeah. You can put. You also got him on the edge. That's that's true. You got, you, you got Young and Bosa out there. That's pretty good. That yeah, is, that's but you true. could run a T and E game where both he and Josh Allen are on the same side. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that could present problems. Just yeah. all these different looks. I think yeah. is what you're looking for. But the point is, is that Ryan Nielsen has watched the tape, or at the very least, seen our uh, our very own Gus Logue's tweets mm-hmm. that Trayvon Walker, in terms of sheer inside numbers, snap count wise, mm-hmm. it was only about ten. And Trayvon said that to me multiple times in the locker room this year when I would ask him about it. He's like, yeah, we did it two or three times. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it looks good. I like having my hand in the dirt. It's what yeah. they asked me to do. 
And that's yeah. just his mentality, of course, is whatever they tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, if negotiations aren't going well, you go and draft Jared Verse, number 17, and now you get three rushes. Which mm-hmm. would be a good problem to have, yeah, would it not? Great problem to have. Yeah, you cannot have enough, <laughs> as they say. And that's the thing they that this that team's interior, got. Man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interior. They need that interior. I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. They need they that do. disruption. They the also need help along the offensive line, too. And so that's where, again, you know, mm-hmm. I jokingly say value. But, I mean, what do you need to address first? What's the bigger gaping hole? Or do you say we're going to provide that depth in the interior via free agency and then look to the draft when it comes to the offensive holes? Mm-hmm. The bigger hole is obviously offensive line. Has to be. There's, I mean, that's the key to everything you're going to do. It's the key to everything in your franchise moving forward is 16. So the big hole is the offensive line. You've got to fix that middle three. You yeah, have you, to. You got to get a center. Our our, our, our preference a, a center in free agency. Mm-hmm. More know, experience. More experienced guy in free agency, and then a guard, and then get one and get a, and get a a solid guard. So you're done with Fortner. Yeah, I'm done. I've seen I'm not done with him yet. No, oh, well. I'm not. I think I think if he can gain a little strength, I think he has. He's got. A, he's got a chance. Well, if you were to use him and just basically take a look at, okay, what is the leap from year one to year two didn't happen the way that they had hoped. He still started every game. You have to give him credit for that. But at the same time, he was he was more of a liability than a strength. How much more does he step forward, knowledge and physical? Uh, improvements year well, two to year he's, three. He's got the he's got the his lower body. I mean, yeah. his lower body. He's got the I don't know what it, his trunk. It's the ass a, and the thighs. Like I keep saying, you're man, absolutely it's what right. It is. You're absolutely big right. asses no, and big ab- thighs. Absolutely. Yeah. You zero in on that. Huh? Because, that's, but that's what it is, bro, man. On the interior like that. That's be, what you gotta have. Yeah, because it was too many times I watched in games where he was just overwhelmed, especially on run plays. Because that's how you anchor, right? Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, yeah you gotta. And listen, you, you don't. I, some guys can – listen, we had a guy on our team when I was playing, Michael Chivas. Michael Chivas was not that big, mm-hmm. wasn't that strong, but he got on you. He was mm-hmm. quick. He used, his, he used his leverage, his quickness to get on you, whatever. And the times that he was overwhelmed by players, you know, it was times he was overwhelmed by players. But mass majority of the time, you know, he, he had good base. He had good leverage that he could get under these guys. Fortner just plays too high, and it doesn't have the trunk and the leverage so to take on 6'3", 340. Back to the defensive side of the ball and Ryan Nielsen's introductory presser real quick. Uh, An interesting note from Dell on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I just want to see Trayvon drop into coverage less in passing situations, not that he did it a whole lot. Um, I think that that's an interesting question to ask because we pair that, number one, with is it a 3-4, is it a 4-3? I'm sure Ryan Nielsen would tell you his fronts are multiple. But also... The the biggest mantra that I came away from that Ryan Nielsen press conference yesterday with was attack, attack, mm. attack. And that's not to say that if you have two outside linebackers that they're not going to drop into coverage, but it just sounded like with every single response, everything is moving forward, moving towards the quarterback. And I'm not saying that, that means that Trayvon Walker is never going to drop back into coverage, but it certainly felt well, like that. Yeah, and I do think if I'm just kind of reading what he's saying is that at least the philosophy sounds like I want to get guys that are big men to do big man things as opposed to getting lost in coverage. It doesn't mean in a zone blitz situation you can't confuse an offense and, and, and catch them napping and, and make a play, but wouldn't you rather see a guy – his size overpower somebody and get to the quarterback as opposed to try and drop and cover a 
a, a Travis Kelsey or somebody like that, which is just no, absolutely. I mean, he's a DN. He's supposed to, he's a rush in, not a drop in. He's a rush in, but well there, there's going to be there's going to be certain packages. There's going to be certain packages where he's you know where I listen. You know what? The interesting thing that y'all said there in Atlanta. You know, it wasn't a lot of guys who got – it was a whole bunch of guys yeah, who no got more, sacks. No more than seven sacks for yeah. any one player. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I like to see uh, – I like to see Luakon. I like to see Devin Lloyd, see mm-hmm. what he can do, you know, with with the, with the blitz packages that he may have. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see, you know, what kind of packages he puts together. 910 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. There's a guy in Gainesville who talks about attacking a lot, and I'm having PTSD. It's not Napier. He would never use words of violence like that. Nope. Nope, uh, you're. I think we need a drop for Chris Farley. Like, mm-hmm. can we get like some sort of like I don't I'm trying to think what the most iconic line from like fat well, I mean, guy in a little coat. Yeah, too, yeah. I think we need yeah. to like down by the say, river. Man? Soon he's going to be coaching in a van down by the river. Yeah, I think yeah. we need to like come up with that. So whenever we yeah. reference any plays, um, speaking of that. speaking of nine one zero spotted in St. Pete, we are back, baby. Florida victorious on a billboard. Looks like it's right outside of the trop. Or at least that looks like the trap. Man, oh, uh, man. Yeah, it's because uh, they're building the future stars, future pros. Yeah. Uh, the Victorious, uh, that's a big story that, that we haven't necessarily dug 100% deep in on. Yeah, let's do that. But I like that. It, it's, I, I, and, and Matt keeps saying they're going to find more money as long as you're winning. And, and I guess that is the answer to the puzzle. And, and, but Gator fan, if you are like the guy that just uh, texted in from St. Pete, are you giving? Did you stop giving? Do you want to give more if they give you more? These are all fair questions uh, that we can get into in the 1 o'clock hour, and it'll get us back to our great transfer portal debate that we named yesterday, Leon. We had running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a bunch of good ones. Good ones, yeah. And we, we went to the Ryan Nielsen presser, so we didn't quite get to all of the ideas, but let's repeat that coming up uh, because if you are in the transfer portal era like we are now, back mm-hmm. in the day. Name your five guys. The five guys. AP, Adrian Peterson, Reggie Bush, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Barry Sanders. Who would you go get out of the transfer portal Portal mm-hmm. first? First. You've got to make a decision. Back it up. 641-1010. We will say the early lean yesterday was uh, quite a few Barry Sanders selections. But if mm-hmm. you got somebody else or if you got him – uh, give us a reason why. Let's crank it out. One o'clock hour. Big hair, heavy metal. Bring us some song suggestions. JJ, the DJ, doesn't have to be big hair or heavy metal. You can go anywhere in the world, but just please rock us out. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. I do like I do like the suggestion. Daytona 500 weekend coming up. Get a little rock and roll in you. I don't know if you if you're wired the infield way where you're heading down to Daytona. Heck, if you're an infield person, you may already be there right now. You've got a whole setup inside the infield. It's one of the it's one of the coolest places where people from all parts and all walks of life show up, and then they just party. That's what they do. They put it in park, they get out, and they just set up uh, either a bar, a tiki bar, a karaoke, whatever it is. It is such a cool place. These guys are going down there. It's a slice of Americana 
that you have to experience at least once in your it's, life. Uh, it's, it's indescribable. Yeah. You think you got it nailed, and then you see something you just never would have expected to see down there. What I remember about Daytona is being in the car with Joe and how terrified I was when we were getting Yeah, up. that's true. Not I an actual too. NASCAR that driver. Was, that, was the first time, that was the first time I ever really rolled with Joe, yeah. and Joe was on tilt. I remember the look I got on fired, Leon's I got face. Fired up. Just knowing I, I, I was going I, to the Daytona. The look on Leon's face was like, we might die right now. <laughs> Just knowing I was going to Daytona it got me fired. White knuckle ride, man. Oh, that's for sure. But it's funny because they had the uh, uh, the twins last night and trying to race their way into the field and Jimmy Johnson trying to make it one last time and, and just all kinds of good storylines. And there are new faces, uh, new names that are going to be down there, and they're all obviously trying to begin their own legend. And we will have boots on the ground, E.T. and intern extraordinaire Jacob, who you may have seen walking with Dan Hicken to work a few weeks ago. Uh, they will be they will be down there in Daytona for the Great American Race. E.T. already came to me, though, and uh, was a little worried about that forecast, which I said to him, when you think Daytona 500, unfortunately, the real ones know there's always some type of weather delay. Mm. I, I, I think last year and maybe – what, 20, I can't even think what it would be another year that didn't have a rain delay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was there in 2021 until, what, 3 in the morning when Michael McDowell finally won that one in a photo finish. And then you even go to the Monday finish with 2020, and that was after President Trump had arrived, and they had the big, huge hoopla and everything, and then they go to run the race, and I think they got 11 laps in. Thunder. Heck lightning. The, uh... Monsoon. <laughs> The headline for the Daytona Beach News Journal right now, which also one of the cool things in the infield, is that you set up your RV, they will deliver the Daytona Beach News Journal to your RV. It's just one of the coolest things ever. So anyway, the the headline, will the Daytona 500 be postponed? And so they're already putting that out there in the ether as a possibility because of these just nasty forecasts of rain. We all know it can change in a hurry, but uh, Daytona likes to – Start that bad boy off as late as they can. Get into prime time and all that stuff. I totally get it. Uh, you'll be able to hear it right here on the Superstation. Uh, but a 2.30 start. Now, keep in mind, this thing has gone from, uh, I have, I'm sure it, there was a time when it was starting at noon, and then at 12.30, and then at 1 o'clock, and then at 2. And now you're at 2.30. And so they're going to see if they can get as much in as possible. I just hope the, the weather stays away. It's, just, it's the Super Bowl of, of stock car racing, and it's always a great scene. And you just got rid of football. We just said you're ballless. You're going into a ballless weekend. Uh, what are you going to watch? There will be plenty of people sitting down and watching the 500. And it doesn't have as much cachet as it used to, uh, but still, there are plenty of NASCAR fans out there. If anything, I was just working on our uh, multimedia department planner for next week. Yeah. It's that Sunday the 25th. That's the one you got to be worried about. That's where there's nothing that I can see on the calendar outside of some college baseball and maybe a basketball game here or there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's where we, we have to worry. At least we have the 500 this Sunday of President's Day weekend. Yeah. Listen, people, go hang out with your family. Right. Go do something you do. Do something different in life. Yes. Yeah, go outside. I mean, life Again, sports, let's not get a little man. crazy here, all right? Let's not go get to crazy. Disney World, man. Hey, man. Yeah, come on, man. There's a lot of stuff to Take do. Take a tour of the world at Epcot. Yeah, exactly. You can see the whole world. You know that? All right. So, all Our right, boy Baloo's going to Vegas this weekend. Yeah. yeah. He's going to, to the Sphere to see you, too. Yeah. You nice. told, I, I think yesterday he told me he's seen you, too, like 30 something times. 30 something times. Really? Yes. He's going to get into the wow. I say, wow. Yeah, and and he picked another good place because he's seen him in a lot of different spots, and so he definitely has. Uh, that, that's that's pretty cool. I, I like that. 
All right, um, let, let's get into a couple of other things as far as what's going on, and since we're kind of bouncing around just a little bit, the the Tiger Woods experiment yesterday, everyone was wondering how he would look, and we had him uh, on the television as we were going on with XL Primetime yesterday. He doesn't tee off until like right be- right as we're getting off the air today. Anyway, he shoots a one over 72, and he was up and down like you would expect but you still look at it like, ah, come on, Tiger. You know, you can do this, this and that. Anyway, opens up with birdie. Bogey's two holes. Comes back with two more birdies. Gets to one under. Goes to the back nine. Bogey, birdie, bogey. And then finds another birdie. And he's fighting. And then he misses what looks like it should have been a short putt that he could have made. Then a shank at 18. The full-on shankopotamus yeah, that bad. you do not expect to see from Eldrick. But – Basically, he said he had just a look, back spasms coming down the stretch. So he still looks like, in, 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 in a golf world, he looks like a Hulkian figure. But it's still tough as hell for him to get through the entire well, round. Well, I mean, listen, we've known Tiger a very long time. So, I mean, playing in this tournament, I mean, is there any replica to any of the majors to why he would play this one? It's, or is his it just tournament. A, it's his tournament. Yeah, okay, that's the number you. one right, thing. And the beautiful thing about the PGA Tour, and this was <laughs> smart on their part, is they said, you got the Tiger Woods Foundation. Mm-hmm. Let's create a charity for you. You're the host. Arnie host, Arnie Forever hosted one. Jack Nicholas host two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they basically created two events for Tiger, or one event for him, and then he created his other one, which is the Hero World Challenge. But that's, that, that's smart on their part to give him that opportunity to have as far as, his go- as far as – the way he made it is it what what does it have more of traps uh it's just a dead dog legs i mean i mean what, it's got what, everything it's got everything the way they describe it is that in and the same thing is said here at TPC Sawgrass that you got to you have to use every club in your bag you can't just pull the driver out mm-hmm. and just wheel it as far as you can go find it uh and then club it up there with a wedge you have got to be crafty around this golf course and people have said a lot of these players included it's their favorite golf course, mm. which it is a tough one, tough mother, but it is one that if you get it going, you feel like you've done something. They come out of that uh, 18th or 9th finishing up their round like like they're exhausted. They just look exhausted. But it's a tournament that he's played a bunch, grew up in Southern California, just hasn't won it yet. And so I'd love to see it. He's not that far off the, the guy at the top, but a 7-under was leading yesterday, and it'll stretch out a little bit more today. Does he make the cut is the question. Yeah, top 50 and ties, and then anybody within 10 shots. So right now he's at least within 10 shots. Within 10. Obviously that will change uh, today. The wind kicked up a little bit yesterday in the afternoon, so if it does that again, that may make it doubly tough for Tiger. But when he when he hit it right and he read some beautiful putts yesterday, it, it was just so fun to watch. And he has said this, that he wants to be in the game to see these young guys come up. It's kind of like what we were having a discussion with earlier, including Tiger. Tiger's – built so many young stars in his game by his play. And he says, I just, I want to be out there competing with them. And he called Justin Thomas a brother that he never had. And so that, that's cool when you have him wanting to get out there, so, even though so his game's not. Think about this. <clears throat> if you're Tiger, and you, you'd be the perfect guy to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Is, does he need to finish all four rounds to feel like, all right, I need to play in March now, which is obviously the players, mm-hmm. before, before April? Before I, the Masters. I think the easiest answer is he needs to see good results. Right. If he sees bad results. Like if he misses the cut, then what? Right. right. If he sees bad results. Or if he feels bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or he has the back spasms that continue right. to linger. 
then the odds go down Skip in March, that yeah. it won't be that it won't be a once a month deal. Right. And that's what I that's what I fear. That's what everybody else out there I'm sure is, is thinking as well, which I hate it, but there's there's no getting away from how he moves the meter. Right. Still gonna be a great field if he's there or not. But as Lee Smith told you all yesterday, this is one of the last times he's eligible to play in this. You have to qualify to play in this tournament, this players championship. And so that's how that's how good the field is. Can no, we have a no, tiger no, exemption? I was just yeah, going to say, we might have to make one. There's no founder's entries yeah. or anything like that? We might have to make one. Right. I mean, yeah, the, with the 50th anniversary, we're going to call it the the, uh, the the tiger exemption clause. Right. I don't know. You're the greatest golfer ever, but guess what? You're not allowed in. Yeah, but isn't that something? Because that's, yeah. that's, that's the essence of it. I and, get I get all of that, yeah. but if he wants to play, I mean, you, don't you just oh, say. there you are. There, don't you just Matt say. Hayes, right, college world, change the rules. I get it. I understand. No, I'm not changing the yeah. rules. I'm just saying if a guy wants to play and all the players are okay with him playing. Yeah. It, it would be, look. As it, long as their quarterback's yeah. not hurt, then we will right. let him in. And we know that he wants to play Augusta every year because he has excelled at, at Augusta. We know that. And if he loved this tournament as much as that one, which he has won this one twice, he just isn't necessarily in love with the golf course, unfortunately for him or for us. But it would be great if he said every year, that's on my, my calendar. I got to be I gotta be there, which would be great. I just hope he gets good results out of it this week, and then he's more compelled, like you're saying. A little more compelled to do it. All right, let's get back to what we were talking about. I saw a mock draft. How many mock drafts have you seen that did not have Caleb Williams number one? How many? None. I've seen a couple. None. Yeah, I've, I've seen a yeah. couple. Mm-hmm. So let's at least get into it because I'm like I'm looking at Leon's face. JJ went really. So let's at least touch on a couple of them, or at least one that I got right now that doesn't have Caleb Williams number one overall. And we'll give you the order. It won't surprise you too much, but at least it's worth getting into as we talk a little draft right here on XL Primetime. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, be warned, FSU fans, some legal. Uh, wordage coming at you. We're going to get Matt to explain in a second. But the ACC has filed a motion to dismiss or stay Florida State's lawsuit in Florida. FSU last week filed a motion to dismiss or stay the ACC's lawsuit in North Carolina. A hearing for that is March 22nd. Nothing in the official court system yet, but the deadline is today. Yesterday, the ACC asked the Leon County Court for the ability to exceed the page count for its filing. That's from Matt Baker. Page count? Yes. Whoa. He says scintillating, I know. And one more thing. They're going to paper them to death, JoJo. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. It's, uh, this is what they're, they're doing to each other. They're, look, the key to this whole thing right now is what state will it be heard in? Mm-hmm. If it's heard in the state of Florida, Florida State has a much better chance of winning yeah. and getting out of the grant of rights, which is the key. If it's, heard, if it's not heard in the state of Florida, if it's heard in the state of North Carolina, clearly the ACC has a much greater chance of winning. So that's what they're doing right now. The, the entire... The entire point of all this is, where is it going to be heard? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the key to everything. Yeah, especially if Moody's all over this thing. She was she was all over it before. I know it's appellate court or federal court, but it is kind of funny. It's uh, yeah. I think if they if they get it here, I don't even think the ACC will go to trial. They'll just give up. Yeah, because they don't want because if they okay, get but, it here, then Florida State's going to say we're going the full smash. Okay, so this we want is, discovery. Or we want to know how every how the sausage is made, and uh-huh. the ACC and ESPN do not want that. Well, that that I believe. So if that were to happen, and this is us going Harvey Specter on everybody right now, but if that were to happen, suits which you got to watch. Yeah, there. Harvey suits. never wanted to go to trial, and so if that were to happen, then who else jumps in with the same strategy? The Clemsons, the who else jumps in? Well, I think against the ACC. 
if there's well, one if, victory if it struck. happens, I think it's it that sets precedent. So then at that point, anyone can jump in. Yeah, because once it once precedent is set, forget it. Right, and that's. But what's the ACC going to do at that point? They're going to try and fight and let all this stuff come out that they don't want to come out. Like they, there's stuff there's beyond intellectual property. There's stuff they don't want out. Right. Like how they how they negotiate all of that. Well, I so still don't know where they're going. But this was there's a, a, look. There's a reason why in their initial filing, okay, in the, in the state of North Carolina, they asked the judge to prohibit FSU from publicly talking about the way the deal was made. Right. There's a reason they said of that. Course, they don't want of the stuff to come out. I just feel like Matt and I had this long bet. I said they'll, they'll, there's, there's enough legal people out there, they'll figure out a way, and they are figuring out a way to get out of that grant of rights. Yeah, now, they I mean, may they're, lose they're, well, financially. Here's the thing, here's the thing is, is they're burning bridges right now by doing this. That I believe. They know this, okay? Yeah. The problem is the bridge they're burning is ESPN. Yeah. So that, that leaves them basically with their only option, the Big Ten. And if the Big Ten does decide to expand, what are they going to do? Because ESPN's not going to give the Big 12 more money yeah. because FSU's joined. Because yeah. they're going to be mad that FSU broke up the ACC. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, there's, there, the reason, it's dangerous what they're doing. Right. The I'm reason saying. why they may be really mad is because they are getting a bargain uh, on the ACC. Of course they are. Of, of course they are. Yeah. No doubt about That's it. That's why the ACC's all ticked off. Uh, all right. So, I said the mock draft. And would you be shocked if it was not Caleb Williams at the top? And, and look, this is this is draft season, silly season. You got to present a different thought. And so this is not drastic by any stretch of the imagination. But Yahoo Sports decides to flip the top two guys: Drake May, number one overall to the Chicago Bears, and then Caleb Williams going second, which presents this interesting idea that the Washington Commanders, with now their new head coach not having to risk or give up big-time draft capital to get to the top. So at least this is what they say. Uh, I think May or Caleb Williams, top-notch prizes for the draft, but May has been my pick for the Bears for months, says the Yahoo writer. Uh, he has a great combination of size, athleticism, and arm talent worthy of the number one pick with the Bears in a prime position to bolster the talent around him and hit the ground running. Thoughts? Thoughts? I, I, look, I love Drake May. You guys know that. Uh, the, you fell in love uh, yeah, at the, the ACC media days yeah, last summer. The Matthew, and I, I did, I did, a, I did a Matt Hayes, but you know the Matthew McConaughey in him got me. It did. I'm sorry. It, yeah, it got Thunderbolt. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I don't know what it was, but it, it got me. Anyway, I like him personality wise mm. and playmaking wise. They did not have the season they were hoping to have. Uh, Southern Cal didn't necessarily either, but Caleb Williams still looks legit, like he's the best out there. But I, I love this experiment just mm-hmm. to see which one of these guys is, is going to be. The first guy. Yeah, listen, if, if Jaden Daniels is 20 pounds heavier, I don't even think we're having this conversation. You're probably right. <laughs> he, he's the most electric, exciting he, guy I saw all last year. Yeah, and he's the number three guy. And he's I do agree with right you. Now. Yeah. Right, right now, he's the number three right, guy. This yeah, is right a, now, yeah. Yeah, this is another thing that we'll have fun watching mm-hmm. because I, I take it back to Burrow, Tua, Herbert. And we really don't know which of these. Now, Herbert, Herbert got hurt last year. Tua survived getting hurt last year, changed our opinion of Tua, I think, dramatically. And then Burrow now has two years, two seasons where his, his – or two years where his season has ended with injury. And so I don't know. At least he's made it to the Super Bowl. He's got a leg up on those other right. two cats right now. But As much as Taylor Dahl probably needs to cover her ears right now, ditto to a lot of Bears fans, that offensive line is a work in progress. 
I yeah. think you don't want to get anybody killed, whoever it is. Any quarterback that is being drafted in any draft by one of the first five teams, it goes without saying, nine times out of ten, the reason you're being drafted that high is because they have a lot of holes. And the offensive line is probably not a strength given how many games they lost the year prior. And so I say that to say Lance Zierlein, NFL.com, mm-hmm. put out some interesting numbers according to PFF earlier this week. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. So this is completion percentage when scrambling, which would be assuming the pocket collapses. You're on the move. Where do you where do you go from there? Again, completion percentage when on the move. Caleb Williams, 41.8%. Drake May, a 36.8% completion percentage. Jaden Daniels, 46.7. Bo Nix, 58.6. That's the highest if you're keeping score. Michael Penix Jr., 23.3. Ooh, ouch. And here's the interesting one that Matt is going to just salivate at. Spencer Rattler, right? J.J. McCarthy, uh, a 71.4% completion percentage when scrambling. Hmm. That also has a lot to do with the fact the that Michigan was just crushing people with the run game. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I still think Jaden Daniels has the opportunity to move all the way to one. Well, do, he had really the, of those, just, he had the third just, highest. There's too much to like with him. There's too much of the known now in the NFL what a player like that can do with with Lamar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm not comparing him to a former NFL MVP. All I'm telling you is they're very similar players in college. Very dynamic, similar. Not the biggest guys. Yeah. Now Lamar's a grown man in the NFL. He's a big dude. He's all of 230 pounds. Yeah. So it can happen. You can grow into a body. I see him. I see the way he plays the way he can stress defenses, not only with his legs, but he's an accurate thrower. What Mia just said right there underscores that, the way he throws off schedule. Um, I love the way he throws the ball. I love the way he plays. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy that can take a hit for the size he is. Think about that. And just give Brian Kelly credit for making him. Yeah. Two years into his college career, you were wondering, who is this guy? because he wasn't in a great situation out in the Pac-12, out in Arizona, and he comes to the SEC regarded as a tougher defensive league, and he has thrived. And if you're looking at percent percentages, okay, this was 46 on the move, but Bo Nix versus uh, Michael Penix, there's 30 points difference in those, or at least 25 points difference in the completion percentage. 50-something to 26. Not only that. That's telling. Bo completed, what, 78% of his pass, and I think I think Jaden was 72 or 73, but look at the percent of the pass, percentage of passes Bo completed when he played against the SEC mm-hmm. defense. Oh, yeah. It was under 60. Yeah. So That's a big I, deal. I, yeah, of course it that, is. That's of who course it is. And that's, you know, yeah. Jaden Daniels' first year at LSU, he struggled his first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And Brian Kelly literally had to sit him down and say, you have to start making tight window throws. It's yeah. the only way we're going to win. He wouldn't make tight window throws because he was afraid it was going to be intercepted. Sure. So he started to finally make the tight window throws and everything. He got confidence, and then, boom, he just took off, man. Let me throw some more numbers that maybe will sway how you feel, or maybe it'll reinforce that Jaden Daniels perhaps should be that pick at number one overall, and maybe Drake May to the Bears. Uh, Maybe Mm. that UNC PTSD is real. Right. So this is red zone completion percentage as well as the red zone touchdown to interception ratio for each of those same quarterbacks. Bo Nix, a 69.9% completion percentage in the red zone. Uh, Spoiler alert, that is the highest of any of these prospects. 
with 18 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Mm -hmm. J.J. McCarthy, we mentioned how good he was scrambling in terms of completion percentage. In the red zone, 63.2% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, two picks. Caleb Williams, 63% completion percentage in the red zone, 12 touchdowns to zero picks. Jaden Daniels, 65% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, zero picks. Michael Penix Jr., 59.7%, 16 touchdowns to two picks. And this is the one that, again, maybe you dismiss it as his supporting cast versus these other quarterbacks supporting cast. Drake May, a 47.3% completion percentage in the red zone with eight touchdowns to one interception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pr- productive there when, when you need to get points on the board. No, but the least – to one, though. But, right, eight to but, one is what but I'm the least productive – and the worst completion percentage of any yeah. of those quarterbacks. Yeah, below when you're talking 43%, that's bad. Uh, but then the eight to one at the very least. And again, it didn't go the way he wanted it to, or Mac wanted it to, or anybody up there. And so I, I'll admit that put a red flag uh, up next to his name. I still like watching the cat play, but worthy of a red flag when you see that. You can't be dropping against ACC defenses now. Primarily, you can't be dropping below 50%. No way, no how. Can't do it. So the good guys live in the 67 to 70 plus percent completion rate. No, I don't disagree with that, but I also don't think you that can be like your, your, your standard, your measurement either, because there are guys that didn't hit that level that mm. translated to the NFL and played really well. I don't think Philip Rivers was that high at, at NC State. Mm. He might have been one year, but I don't think he was there consistently. Yeah, he like played that. a ton too, yeah. so that might have yeah. numbers. I mean, just I mean and Trevor was very high at mm. Clemson over and over. He's got sixty turnovers the first three years. Right, right. So I mean, I think it. I think it all depends on how your game translates to the league and how you mentally, your mind, you know, yeah. and over and over. I, I've said this so many times that Her, Herm Edwards told me that one time is NFL guys last in the league because of what's between the ears, not mm-hmm. because of their talent. Software, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so w- what guy in the NFL does Drake May remind you of that that you think that he could establish himself to become? Herbert. Yeah, he's Herbert. the first that oh, no, you think he's, man, I see when Herbert's, I see him. Herbert's really good. I don't. I know, but that's that, who I, I see when I see him. That's who he looks like because of size. He can move. He's got the big arm. That's mm-hmm. who I see. Had questions though coming out of college, which Justin Herbert did too. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of that chicken or the egg is it the system. Is it him? Did he actually reach his full potential at Oregon? Did they allow him to do so? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think you could argue that with Drake May, knowing that they had an unsuccessful season by all accounts this past fall. Mm-hmm. What about Caleb? What, 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 who's he remind? Well, that's the problem. People want to say Mahomes, but that's yeah, slow. I, I don't think anybody easy on that. <laughs> Nobody easy there. on that button. Easy. Yeah. <clears throat> what other comps have you heard for Caleb Williams besides oh Mahomes? I've heard Mahomes from a lot of scouts, right. believe it or not. A lot of scouts. Because he mirrors the same size, the, well, they, the ability they, they to move. They play the same way. Yeah. They mm-hmm. play the same way. It's it's yeah. not only the way they, they can do things off schedule and they can throw from different arm angles. It's mm-hmm. the way they can move in the pocket. It's the way they're tough. They're tough guys. Um, they're great leaders. So, yeah, it's they're very similar. They're, I'm not saying he's going to end up being a, another Mahomes, but the game is the same type of game. That's mm-hmm. just who they are. If you're looking for even more draft content, look no further than 1010XL's extensive draft content. It's our 1010XL draft guide. We have big boards. We have weekly roundtables with questions. I'll get to that here in a second. Uh, The goal, if you're wondering why are you pumping out all this draft content, is that you will be able to come March. We're going to put all of this into a nice, neat little PDF folder, right? Or PDF file, excuse me. And so if you want all your draft content from 1010XL, big boards, mock drafts, 
you name it, it's all going to be in that file. And so we are building towards that. If you go to 1010XL.com, you scroll down to draft guide, you'll be able to see all that. And this week's round table question, I think could be of interest to many of you. Who is a late round prospect you've already had your eye on that would fit well in Jacksonville? You want to run through some of those coming back, Josie? We can, uh, because you got to go, you got to be that draft Nick, you know, really drilling, drilling down. And there's so many of them that uh, you, everyone gravitates to, to the first 60 names after that. It is a bit of a crapshoot. All about finding value. Mm-hmm. Next on 1010XL. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. We are still accepting your song requests for big hair, heavy metal Friday on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010. A lot of you sending us either Ryan Nielsen-inspired song oh, selections like or Daytona-inspired insta- song selections. So the creativity is flowing on a Friday in February. Well, just rock out your Friday with us, uh, JJ the DJ, if he can, he will. Uh, 641 bring us uh, some good rock and roll. It could be old school, could be new, whatever. We don't mind, that's for sure. Now, speaking of old school, the great transfer portal debate. We're doing them weekly, and Big Sirs unveiled his running backs yesterday so let's go back uh, and hit a couple of those because if you had a transfer portal in a world that leon lived in and you had all these guys at one moment say i'm going from this school to that oh my gosh head coaches and nil people would be running to get one of these guys but who would it be well listen my mines would be ap mines would be ap give uh, them the top five you had well the top five was um adrian peterson mm-hmm. reggie bush Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, and Barry Sanders. Those are top five. Legends. They College are. legends. Outstanding careers. But I will, I will, I'm, I'm partial to AP. And your reason? Well, my reason is, um, first of all, he just looks like a cane. Did you really like, just say that? I just said he looked like a Especially cane. He should have been a cane. I don't know why he went to Oklahoma. I can't well, let maybe, you get away with that. Maybe when Don That's your reason? He, I tell you what, he reminds me of his running style. Does he look like a cane or you wish he was a cane? Well, I don't know why he went to Oklahoma. But, maybe but, as Don Solinger said, who was in that running back room he rattled off? Yeah, well, Don, I mean, Edgerton Frank, James, Frank uh, Gore, Quentin Portis, uh, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore. That's maybe that's why AP went to Oklahoma. Yeah, well, I know it was a different time. Well, it was a different still. time. But listen, I, I pulled up his stats. AP was a, a phenom his freshman year. I mean, yeah. his freshman yeah. year, bro, 1925. Yeah, set, set the freshman record that year, yeah. Goodness gracious. A dozen games. Five Add that up. Point seven yards a carry oh, and 15 yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, he was a grown man. He was a grown man. He absolutely was a grown he man. Had, he had a – not even going to say a little. I'm going to say a lot. He looked a lot like Eric Dickerson. Mm-hmm. In yeah. college. In the NFL, too. Yeah, and Eric Dickerson, the Pony Express, you definitely saw a more upright guy, which yeah. is what AP looked like. But AP ran angry, too. Oh, yeah. He was probably one of the first angry runners that oh, you could yeah. think he of. He put his head down and yes. run, baby. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, if we go Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson, you're, you're talking about a t- different time, but you can come up with arguments for those guys because mm-hmm. they were centerpiece pieces. And, and if you go Reggie Bush – there was still a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback on that team. There were great receivers on that team. So he wasn't the only one. Another great running back in that team, yeah. Lindell White. Yeah, that's true. That's true yeah. because they both were lightning. Yeah. Yep. Then Lindell added uh, a, another Lindell to his body when he was in the National Football League. He loved Del Taco, man. Yeah, he did. He, he, did. he got to Nashville, too, and just everything yeah. on Broadway looked yeah. so appetizing. Yeah. he was just bigger. But it's funny because I, I said Reggie Bush because of the, the, the dynamic – way he played the game 
because he could beat you running, get out of the backfield, catch it, and take off. But angry runner, AP, hard to argue with that one. And of course, Barry Sanders. Yeah, I just think Barry. I mean, Barry Sanders is the obvious one. So I'm not. A, I'm. I'm. My choice is going to be after Duh, Barry Sanders. Right. So I of the rest of the group, I would probably take. Uh, man, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. AP's. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Pretty so special. It, all right, so here's that's, the question. I, I, you know what? I, I, I think I'm going to go with Bo, actually. Mm-hmm. And your reason? Over Herschel, believe it or not. Yeah, your reason? And Bo actually wasn't the only back in that backfield either because Brent Fullwood was in that back. They had mm-hmm. run their wishbone. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm going with Herschel. Yeah. I'm going with Herschel. Your reason mm-hmm. is just because he— just, just, a, just a force of nature, actually. Yeah, that's true. An absolute force of nature. My um, God, those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he— He's he, just a freshman. Thank you. Thank you, Munson. <laughs> Um, just a, a, a guy that when they, the big games arrived, he was there for them, led them to a national championship, mm-hmm. um, led them to three impressive seasons. Just, just, he was it. He was everything they had and everybody knew it and you still couldn't stop him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably the testament that you're looking at because today's game and, and AP was still the number one weapon that Oklahoma mm-hmm. had. Let's not get it twisted. But yeah, when but they could got, still throw the ball. Yeah, and they had talent, and I mean, you know, all deference to Buck Ballou, friend of the show. Yeah, he wasn't tossing. Buck's not you know scaring anybody with his arm. I mean, it was all Herschel Walker. Yeah. Buck would be the first person to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Run through those those five running backs again. Uh, um, Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. uh, AP, mm-hmm. Barry Sanders, okay. Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson. And again, this is based off college. Mm-hmm. This is a transfer portal. Yep. I'm a firm believer when it comes to the transfer portal, while certainly you can get guys to develop, they need to be plug and play. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Barry Sanders. Yeah, it's, it's the hard reason going. I'm going yeah. with Barry Sanders, and even though this is college, and I was not alive for when Barry Sanders was in college, as his time in the NFL is a testament to, and his time in college as well, he could carry the load. He's a plug-and-play. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a whole lot around him. Everything else around him could be failing him, and he will mm-hmm. still find a way. Yeah. And I Bo know. was good, boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I keep thinking about Bo. Bo yeah, was, he was tough. I mean, if I, Bo played in the Georgia offense where it's eye formation, he's seven yards deep, and he's getting that toss every every play, I mean, get out of here. Yeah. It's, it'd be the same I, thing I made War Eagle team. mad when I said I, I saw him disappear in a couple games. And, look, he had to fight injuries and whatnot. But his whole career, everything he did collegiately and then he did on baseball fields and NFL fields is still uh, just crazy, crazy good. Uh, all right, now. Maybe the greatest yeah. athlete of our generation, actually. Yeah. You've put Dion up there, too. Now, they had honorable yeah, mentions. I'm going to give you the honorable both. mentions. Okay. Yeah, because support. some people on the text line the feel mention. you left some, some people well, out. Well, it's, it's, it's four, actually. Um, yeah, Ricky Williams mm-hmm. at Texas. Yeah, because he yeah. was a nation's Great. leading yeah. rusher. Yeah, Great Christian Christian McCaffrey yep. at Stanford. Yeah, what he did there. Awesome. Derrick Henry at Alabama. Heisman Trophy. And uh, Eddie George at Ohio State. Yeah, Eddie George is really good. I'm trying to remember. Uh, we'd have to look at yards and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and, and really boil it down. But Eddie George, not not as dominant necessarily as maybe mm-hmm. Herschel coming out of the backfield, but you still no, Eddie saw. Eddie George was like a grinder. Yeah, but a you really still saw good those, player. those mm-hmm. high knees. Yeah. Those high knees coming out of the backfield. Yeah, whenever they, a they really were. good player. He's not at the level of Herschel and Bo. And, no, I wouldn't. And the rest of those guys, not I, even close. I wouldn't no. think so. And by the way, you start looking at Herschel's numbers, and, and he bounced around USFL, NFL, all that. Uh, he had some pretty good numbers in the professional game too. Yeah. 
All right, now this is an exercise. I'm going to give you NASCAR now, Leon, mm-hmm. because you just named from old school legendary names. Mm-hmm. And the game obviously still produces great stars like Christian McCaffrey. But let's do a little perfecto with NASCAR here, okay? From the Atlantic to the Pacific. Perfecto! That music always puts you in a good mood. You can just go and order up a cold Pacifico found in Baja, imported by surfers for those who live life anchors up. Now, we still have stars every single year coming out of our college game into our professional game. But just to give you an idea of what Daytona is dealing with in terms of superstars, there are seven active drivers in the Daytona 500 that have won the Daytona 500. How many can you name? Jimmy Johnson. Wow. How Austin many Dillon. can you name? All right, we now we can ding Jimmy. We can ding Dylan. Uh McDowell. McDowell, probably one of the surprise ones of like like Leon and Matt are like McDowell who? I'm just uh, going through guys that I watched them win. Graham McDowell. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, okay, yeah. No, that's not him. Um not the not the restaurateur. Denny I have, Hamlin. I haven't followed NASCAR in a long time. Yeah. Denny is a ding. Denny is the most decorated of the bunch. If you're picking anybody to get back there again, he's Sadler. won three. Daytona 500. Elliot Sadler. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. Who was Danica the yo- Patrick? There was a young kid two years ago, a 2022 winner. He was a first timer. Yeah, there's a lot of first timers. We've had a couple of first timers. Not to be heard from again, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I'm trying to remember of the 21-year-old. Well, Bubba Wallace was, like, in front, and then this young kid just kind of. But the 21-year-old that went down there and won, you never heard from him again. Who's the cat who drove the Woods car to, to the title? The Woods Brothers car? That, going back in time, probably would have been. Oh, so it wasn't, like, 10 years ago? No. Michael Walsh. Is Kevin maybe? Harvick no. still racing? Oh Kevin yeah. Harvick is still racing. Yes, JJ. But never, oh, never he waved never the flag. Won. Yeah, he never won. Wow. He never won. He got into a lot of fights, but never won. Did one of the Bush brothers win? Uh, let's see here. Negative? Yeah, I don't think either of them ever won. So we are down to... Chase Elliott won the road race. Two of them. We've got had. Denny Hamlin with three wins. Jimmy with two wins. Austin, Austin Dillon. Dillon with a win. Michael okay. McDowell, the surprise and shock. In 2021. One win. And yep. so we, we still have three that you may or may not get. Okay. One of them is a former cup champion. Dick Trickle. No, I love the man. Uh, oh, uh, Joey Logano. Yep, there you go. One win uh, at the Daytona 500, a cup champion. Uh, now we're down to the last two. You won that two. really early, too. Leon, do you have any obscure NASCAR names from uh, the 80s no. or 90s you want to make fun of? I think no. JJ stole okay. uh, <laughs> Dick Trickle from you. No idea. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so here are the last two. And someone did mention... Danica Patrick. It is a relationship. Oh yes, it's her boy. Yeah. It's the ex-boyfriend. He won last or two years ago. Last year in the blue. Yes, Ricky Stenhouse yes. Jr. Uh, he won last year in overtime, and then the other guy he couldn't remember, but you were on the right track. Austin Sindrick. Yes, the uh, first time interviewed yeah. Austin Sindrick, and that. just a nice that. young lad, but <laughs> not a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so is there. There are those guys that they. Unfortunately, right now, they need a superstar to step onto their stage. And I don't know whether that will happen or not, but you know, there's still plenty of good ones to root for, uh, but that's where they're at right now. 
Uh, so there you go, Pacifico with a per- non-perfecto. But you guys got plenty. I mean, you got like five. I mean, it least- was pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a lot yeah. of Daytona 500s in the last six years. Yeah, so. four or five of them. Yeah, and and it also very gearheadish of you. Yeah, well, I have to like put in the words of Tony Khan. I'm a fringe wrestling fan. I'm a fringe Daytona fan and fringe NASCAR fan for like three of 52 weeks out of the year, where I gotta get used to saying some of the terminology, if only while I'm within the Daytona Beach area limits. Well, you so. got to give it the ones that have won recently are the ones that this is the problem with with NASCARs. There's mm-hmm. they don't have those guys that are dominating uh, these races or the NASCAR circuit. That that's the challenge because. Jimmy Johnson's coming back and trying to get in a car and, and win. And Joey Logano, although he won, isn't one enough uh, to, to be – or maybe just doesn't have that superstar quality that maybe NASCAR fan was looking for. And the other guys, you know, Austin Dillon, come-and-go guy, Michael McDowell, great story. And That's by the it. way, the text line's telling us Kevin Harvick retired last year. Oh, he Yeah, did? he was trying yeah. to race his way in. And Trevor uh, Bain is the Woods brother. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor Bain. That's the one. So that matches up with what Matt was looking for. So and- I was right about the Woods brothers one, huh? Well, but I guess he's not in the. Is he not on tour anymore? Do you call it tour? Yeah, he, like I said, he just he just flamed out. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Okay. Tre- okay. Trevor Bain okay. was. I knew I knew there was something like that yeah, that happened. Twenty one years old, and, and he and he won, and and just never to be heard from again. Basically, so he's not even driving anymore. Uh, I don't even know. I just know that he's not he's in doing the working construction and ripping cigs. Maybe he might be. He might be down there in a little old Vito. All right, uh, Big Search, you are out the door. I am. All right, watch uh, a little mm. five hundred. Just check it out on Sunday. Sunday, five hundred. Yeah. Well, you're already into the uh, mm-hmm. the monster truck, so yeah. it's a it's an auto vehicle. Well, and they turn left a bunch. A left. Just remember that. All right. I remember. All right. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. He is out the door. We head to the two o'clock hour. We say hello to our head coach, Coach Campo, and we'll get to his thoughts on Ryan Nielsen. He was a defensive coordinator for many years of his coaching career, and we'll find out with the newest DC what his thoughts are on him coming up on XL Primetime. Our head coach is in, ready to crank it out. Ground. Get it running. Coach Campbell, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I, I, I've been uh, busy. Uh, I've gotten like 10 calls mm. for to go on the radio and the TV over in, over in Dallas over this Zimmer hire. Yeah. It's wearing me out. My wife said, look, don't do anymore. Just say I'm you, you won't do it. Say, but. if you need me, you'll find me on XL Primetime on Tuesdays and Fridays. There you go. And the Campo there, and Joe there you podcast. Go. That's what I need to do. There yeah. we go. So sure. you got shut down. Yeah. Which is not not bad. No. You just you got you got shut down. Yeah. Well, I, listen, uh, it, they're all excited over there. We'll see how it works out. Well, it's funny because they need something to be excited about. Exactly. Since, uh, JJ, we got to play this soundbite with DeMarco, DeMarcus Lawrence. Since it's topical right now, just let me know when you got it because Mike Zimmer is now being brought in. He coaches with a little fire. He does. Uh, he replaces Dan Quinn. The last product we saw that Dan Quinn put out, as far as defense is concerned, pretty dang pathetic right. against the Green Bay Packers. Anyway, he gets the uh, Washington Commanders job. And I think you said this, you might have said this on the Campo and Joe podcast, that we got to judge whether or not Zimmer's personality is going to go there. Listen to this comment from one of the stars on the de- defensive side and tell me whether Zimmer's going to be able to, to deal with this. All honesty, I think the main thing is who's burned out, man. Uh, you know, long season, um, team dominantly healthy throughout the season. You know, um, the legs get tired, but also um, – 
you know, you got to give hats off to Green Bay, man. They came out with a great game plan, um, you know, rolling out towards Micah and then running away from me. I feel like, you know, that's that's what they needed to, you know, get their game started, and they jumped on us fast. And What about adjustments? Yeah, adjustments, man. Uh, you know, I feel like we went in the locker room and, you know, we came out, you know, ready with our adjustments, but uh, still didn't go the way that we planned it to go. Legs were tired. Long Legs. season. Legs are yeah. tired. I don't know if there's a lot of lions over there right now. There might be some that are in the zoo. Like, uh, <laughs> Leon's like analogy Leon says, the other day. Well, Zimmer's looking for the lions that are ready to hunt when they wake up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one thing about him, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, he's been away a couple of years, mm -hmm. but he's a smart guy and oh, he's yeah. adaptable. Mm -hmm. And when I say adaptable, he's not going to really change who he is, but I think he understands that, uh, you know, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen the first day he walks in there. The only thing he's got to his advantage is he's got street cred. You know, he's got a Super he's Bowl ring. Up. Yeah. He's got a Super Bowl ring, and he's coached some really good players on some really good defenses. And he's so, got some really good dudes there right now. Yeah, too. oh, there's That's good players. Happen, right? Yeah, I think the biggest, I think what he'll do that maybe Dan didn't do over the course of the thing is first of all, he just hired Paul Genther mm -hmm. as his D line coach. Yeah. And, he's been around. And yeah. Genther was a better coordinator in the right. league, but he's a yeah. tough run kind of a guy mm -hmm. and I'm not sure they had that there and and they well, had pass rushers in the front he'll get rid of the tackles he'll get a couple guys that, they get, that can rush that they got roasted the by run. the run yeah well they had small linebackers once they lost uh 55 I can't mm -hmm. think of his name the, uh later Van Der Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch. they lost the only big linebacker they had safeties playing a lot well that's okay if you got run stopping yeah. defensive they line got in front of you, but they got they got hammered. All right, Matt, jump in on Ryan Nielsen because we need to get into him now. So, just your your overall I, overall thoughts of what you heard from him yesterday. Um, we kind of made a joke that literally the first two words out of his mouth were aggressive and attacking, which every new defensive coordinator well, says. Yeah. Um, your overriding thoughts about him and the fact what I really liked was when he said, "Look, we're going to find what Trayvon Walker does best." And that's what we're going to do. If that means outside, he's outside. If it means inside, he's inside. And, and that's, I like that because, look, he's now finally starting to develop into this position. Don't screw it up at this point. Well, I think that's the key. I think the thing that stuck out to me more than anything, and, and there's a, there, anytime you do a press conference when you first walk into a job, whether you're a head coach, D, you know, D coordinator, offense coordinator, there's, there's D coordinator talk. You know, it's coach talk. Right. Okay, so some of that was in that press conference. The mm -hmm. thing that really stuck out to me, I think, is it was kind of the matter-of-fact way he presented himself. You know, I thought he was uh, – you can tell that he has a personality to deal with, with up in front of the room and how he approached that press conference. And he, and he really didn't – in my mind, he didn't put a lot of uh, flour into it. It was just matter-of-fact. Here's what we're going to do. And what you said about finding what the guys can do, mm -hmm. that's important, really important. Because, you know, it, again, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you just can't walk in there and say, okay, we're going to throw. I believe that uh, Caldwell, and, and I think he's a good guy, and he's probably a, a good coach, okay? But I think he just did what he 
learned as opposed to looking at the players they have. And he wasn't going to – I mentioned this before. The first year that I took the coordinator's job in Dallas, I did exactly what we did the year before. But I knew the players, and I knew what they could do. Sure. So, but I wasn't going to just invent the wheel uh, until, you know, we'd just come off the NFC championship. Right. You know, and two Super break, Bowls. It ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, type of, yeah. And, and so I, I think that he went in with the idea that I'm going to do what we've done at with Todd Bowles or whatever, but I don't think he ever tweaked it. He never said, this is my personnel. The, Circle peg, square hole. Exactly. Well, go and, to what you said about Doug Peterson looking for the Todd Bowles yes. type of guy. I believe Coach heard that as well from some folks he's spoken with down at the building that, you know, Doug wanted the full Todd Bowles and he felt like he didn't get it. Correct. He didn't get that pressure, that attacking mindset. There is no question after yesterday. That is Ryan Nielsen's first goal above all else is to create havoc for the opposing quarterback. Right. And I actually said this earlier, how, like, it, you know, someone on the text line coach asked about Trayvon dropping into coverage and, like, understandably he has to do that sometimes, but everyone in the world wants him going forward at a quarterback. Right. And I said it came across as that will be what happens regardless of where he's lining up along the line. Well, if that's the case, uh, th- that means that he's either going to move or they're going to go to a 4-3. a four three. It's one. It's one of those two things because you can't have him at outside linebacker in a three-four and say that he's going to rush the passer the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, unless they're going to kick him down right. in some way, shape, and or form front. where he's putting his hands on the ground. That won't happen, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's just my opinion. But. Another philosophical question from Nielsen for you: um, Trent Bulky was validated yesterday. When uh, kind, kind of, maybe. kind of, when uh, when Nielsen was asked to describe man versus zone, and he says to Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union, "I'm glad you see it that it's you know it's both," but he said my defense has zone principles, but the outside is tightly covered, tight yeah. press man coverage on the outside. Yeah, that's quarter coverage. That's what it is. It's a it's a combination of man and zone. That's going to be interesting to see because I didn't really look. At, I haven't looked at a lot of tape. But I, I know they press the corners. Well, we pressed the corners all the time and played zone behind it. Mm-hmm. So it, it really comes down to he's going to play what his guys can do. If he can't press, he's going to play off. Right. I mean, he has no choice. But that's got to be something that they look at and, and how they approach that. That's going to be something you address, not only in the draft, but free agency as well, right? Correct. I mean, Absolutely. You, you've, th- there are specific areas in this team – that need to be like addressed immediately as far as day one starters immediately. Not right. guys, well, we'll bring him in. We'll see if he can compete. No, right. they got to play right now. I, I would say that's true. And especially I think Doug is going to be looking at things that way because, you know, he's in his third year and now it, it, it changes from. Well, everybody's window is closing yeah, right now. Well, the it, franchise, it, yeah. the coach, yeah. the players look on, the, on their fourth year looking for new deals. Yep. Everybody's window is changing this year. Right. Right. So I think they're going to have to make some changes in order to get cap room because they're going to have to do another little bit of a run in in free agency, I believe. Good segue there because I want to talk about free agency versus the draft. Where do you address these needs? We can get into the 1010XL draft guide a little bit and maybe some 
hidden gems that Coach Campo has found in his draft preparation. They were in the bottom area of the National Football League in yards allowed and points, so they got to fix it. Right. So let's get into that right. coming up. It's XL Primetime. Coach Campo hanging out with us right here on a beautiful Friday. Quick update from the PGA Tour in Riviera in California, the Genesis Invitational. We have our first ace of the weekend, a guy that Matt and myself were talking with Lee Smith, the executive director of the players, about yesterday, coming back from injury, Will Zalatoris on the par three. I'm trying to see what hole this is. I believe it's hole four. And uh, they had to literally have a car for him and his caddy. To, to get them to the green. That's so. good for him because he can't putt worth a damn. Correct, so. which no, Lee did openly admit yesterday. So, uh, so hey, at least we're all on the same page. Tiger Woods not teeing off until 2.25, you said. Yes, Joe? Yeah, 2.54. 2.54. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's right before uh, <clears throat> the 3 o'clock hour. Yeah, so an ace, and it's at the 14th, the par 3 14th, 14th which is um, uh, yeah, they got two really meaty par 3s on the, on the back nine. So that's good to see. Uh, <clears throat> he had herniated disc. And had to have surgery on him, and so he has the long one because his putting, putting stats are pretty pitiful. So yeah. he definitely needs as much help as he can get. I may be one for Dr. George Barry next yeah. week when he joins us. But for now, of course, we are joined by our head coach, Dave Campo. One more, Two more segments, excuse me, to go on this Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. And, Coach, we were just discussing ways for the Jaguars to – Create their roster in the image that Ryan Nielsen would like for it to be on the defensive side of the ball while also still paying attention to the holes on offense and also the growth of Trevor Lawrence and that 2021 rookie class who all of whom outside of Trevor and Travis will be approaching the final year of their rookie contracts. And so I asked this question earlier and I'll ask it of you as well. Big picture. I understand that, you know, not everything is black or white when it comes to, well, we're going to fix the offense on through the draft and we're going to fix the defense through free agency. But where do you see the starting point being for this team as it looks to March when free agency begins and then April with the NFL draft? Well, uh, first of all, uh, the key to this whole thing is going to be what happens with Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, you could say whatever you want. The defense got to get better. And they have to look to the defense to make sure that they get some guys that can play in certain areas. But, but to me, it starts with the offensive line. Uh, you know, and, and, and many times, unless you're taking somebody in the first or the second round, you, you better take somebody in free agency if they're out there that is ready to play if you're trying to do something within a window, mm-hmm. within a, a one- or two-year deal where <laughs> – you know, the head coach is at the, at the end of his deal. And, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things involved there. To me, uh, I, I haven't had a chance to look at the free agency thing the, the way it should be. But if you're looking at the draft, mm-hmm. the first thing I want to do is I want to I take a look. you got to do one of two things, in my opinion. If, if there's not a free agent that really helps you when you have to go through the draft, I want to look at the tackles mm-hmm. that are out there. And, and there's about seven of them that are probably going to go in the first round. And I want to see which ones could move to guard. That That's the first thing I would look at. So you're saying Troy Fatanu, athleticism, Graham and, and physical. 
and physical, okay? Because the interior of the offensive line has to get fixed. So however it's fixed, I'm not sure it's uh, Cam Robinson coming back and uh, Little going to guard. Right. That didn't show up to me as being a a real fix. You need to get mean at that guard position. That's the first thing I I would look at. The second thing I would look at is if the, the kid from Oregon, the center, I might go against all things of taking an interior offensive lineman in the first round if he's the guy. And look, a lot of people have him mocked with that 17th pick overall. Johnson yeah. is his name, right? Yeah. Jackson, Jackson. Jackson Powers Johnson. Johnson, yeah. right. And, I, and I saw him play. Right. He's a he's a he's a center that can play in the National Football League. And he also that. proved yeah. at the Senior Bowl he could play guard. Yeah, right. He can do either. So that and yeah. that's where I think. It's a very interesting conversation because Matt even asked this earlier. Do you really think they would draft a center and admit they were wrong with Luke Fortner and also already write off Luke Fortner after two seasons? I am in Matt's camp that I don't think they're going to completely write him off, even if Jackson Powers Johnson is there and they select him at 17 because they will stick Powers Johnson at guard, which in turn, what do we say about, uh, you know, uh, the best way of pressure and creating diamonds and forcing your – like that will – Light of fire is their hope under Luke Fortner while also right. strengthening the interior and making his life easier, too. Yeah. And that's a that's a, a legitimate, maybe a logical thing to do. Right. I, I know this. They have to get better at center. I think they can put a, a couple of guys at guard, maybe, uh, whether it's Hodges or whatever. But right. they have to get better at center. Right. That's, that's the first thing in my mind. Yeah. So you think, okay, but by saying that, you think that they probably don't have the ability to wait on Fortner? Is that what you think? Well, I tell you what, he regressed. Yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt. So, so to, in my mind, there's an issue. I mean, when a guy regresses, you got to say either they're not coaching him, which I think they do coach. I, I've seen this guy Rauscher. I, I, I believe he can coach. But when you regress, that's right. that's a bad. Bad omen, especially when you said, oh, we know he's going to get bigger, stronger, you know, make a jump between number one and number second two. Year, right. Yeah. That's yeah. the biggest we, jump yeah. typically. Right. right. So, so, so you then as a former coach right. and a guy who's dealt with personnel yep. would think, all right, it's time to move on. Yep. He's regressed. Well, I, it's, it's time to really take a look at who's out there and what's available. Right. And, and to me, if they don't fix the interior of the line – then we're in for a problem. We're, we're in, in a little town. bit of a problem. Right. And by move on, I also mean you're not going to cut him. You just right. he's not the Correct. starter anymore. Correct. Yeah. He's going to you know be he, a swing you know what he becomes? guy and, and he's um, a whatever center. Ty Shiley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he becomes Ty Shiley and yeah. these other guys that yeah. become backups. But you know, <clears throat> they can if they were to go free agent in the interior part of the line, they're going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. And so you have to really prioritize. But if you don't do that, then in the draft, we've said it a thousand times, a thousand different ways. You better get it right. Because if you were to draft a guard and keep Luke Fortner there, then you have two players with three years of experience right. or less. Correct. And you got to be saying goodbye to, to Brandon Sheriff. You did okay when you got Ezra Cleveland, so you have him as an option. But you need to, at the very least, turn the leaf on two of those three positions. Right. And the other thing, uh, you know, if there is a guy at tackle, you know, you take a tackle in the first round. Yeah. There's a first-round tackle sure. out there that can that could – 
move to guard, Correct. then you've created something for the future as well. The best you know, ability, the is best guy. You know, there may be a tackle that can do that. That's a better player than the center is, or whatever. Then you have to, in my mind, you have to take the best player. Yeah, because the guy, just as far as one of the mock drafts is concerned, right now you have the Oregon center going seventeenth. Jackson Powers Johnson, and then the next guy is Oregon State's tackle who could move to guard. In right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Or and, Washington, the tackle, Fatanu. Yeah, they do have both of those guys kind of at least seeing the versatility. And see, I don't have that. I can't make that answer because I haven't seen him yet. I, listen, I'll be honest with you. Uh, uh, I'm still in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Hoopla. You know, it's still the same week. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I can't. Well, I haven't moved, we've on, moved on. Dave. But but the guys that I've seen in college, right? You know, is, and one of them is that center. Yeah. I've watched Oregon about three times this yeah. year. You They're know, fun to and watch. He's a he's a fun kid to watch for sure. He's quick. Well, he gets on you quick. Oh yeah, and yeah. he's he's physical. I mean, well, he's a tough guy. One name that you floated in the later rounds for our Tenton XL um, draft guide roundtable this week. Cedric Van Pran out of yeah. Georgia, somebody yeah. that dog fans are very familiar with, right. three-year SEC starter. And so from what I'm reading from you is if you were to go with a Fawaga or a Fatanu who gives you that tackle guard versatility in the first, you still circle back in the third or the fourth and you go get Van Pran to compete with Luke Fortner. Yeah, and there's there's no question. I mean, and I'm just saying that, that if, if, if there's nothing there – you know, that, that's the position that I think you have to get better at. However you do it, that has to happen. And, and I, I'm with you. I mean, nothing says that that kid can't right. rally. Right. But at the same time, I'm not counting on that, not after seeing him well, you regress. Can't, you can't afford to, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially yeah. when your quarterback's getting clobbered and yeah. he's and, now becoming more and more uncomfortable. He right. might even be becoming – be becoming a little gun shy to stay in the pocket. At the, right. at the very real. least, you have to give him competition that you believe will beat him out, right? Correct. So that will at least force him to play better. Yeah, that's you know that's my feeling. So when you ask that, I mean, there's other needs. I mean, I think we need a more physical defensive interior as well. I mean, right. but but right. I mean, and, and we may need a press corner. <laughs> Who knows? But. I know that has to get fixed, and I promise you that Doug Peterson is going to try to fix the offense. That's got to be however first, right? it is. Well, it, it's got to be first because of Trevor. Absolutely, you cannot That's have your quarterback have sixty turnovers. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be fixed. And, right? and, and, right. and I, I can't like I'm trying to pull this number from memory, but sixty for Trev in three years. Okay, sixty total. Justin Fields, as much as they're ready to ship him out of Chicago, only has thirty. Over a three-year period. Yeah. Now, those are interceptions. That doesn't include fumbles. And it also, he wasn't the full-time, the full-time. But still, that's half. Yeah. Well, do you, same, guys, do you guys you guys know how many – what's the – I didn't even – I didn't. I should have looked at this because I knew I was going to get asked it. Mm-hmm. But what is the – what's the number of interceptions to fumbles for, for – Let me pull uh, it up right yeah. now. For uh, Trevor. Because to me, it looks like to me, except the end of this year, Right. When when he was hurt, mm-hmm. that fumbles were more evident as turnovers than interceptions were. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. I'm okay with interceptions. Yeah, I'm it's not okay fumbles. with fumbles. Yes, the, the fumbles. fumbles are the that's right. the problem. Right. He had 14 right. interceptions this year, eight his second year, and 17 his rookie season. I don't. Interceptions are going to happen if you have a good yep. quarterback and he's trying to make tight throws. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. It's the fumbles that makes me crazy. 
That no. is literally a disregard. So Fumbles are so that's, nine is first year, so that's 12, 22. 12 the second year, 12 the third See, that's year. ridiculous. That's, yeah, that's, okay, so yeah. 33 fumbles, listen, man. I, I got news that's for no you. Bueno. It's a lot easier to fix the fumbles, in my opinion, than it is the interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Because wow. like uh, you just said, interceptions are going to happen. You can be smart about what you do. And he'll get better as a thrower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, with anticipation. So, so to me, it's keep – the pressure off them in the middle, yes. not the outside. Yes, yeah. you know. And then when he's healthy, he can take advantage of the outside guys. And can start he can to move run. and run. He can move. Yeah. Right. And if you create little creases inside, he can run just like yeah. Mahomes, yeah. just like Purdy did in the in the championship game. He has that. Not the Super Bowl, but the yes, oh, sure. the championship. Plus, well, if you're solid in the middle, he can yeah. move in the pocket. There you go. A step right, so, a step left. To me, left, that's step the up. biggest. That's the biggest yeah. issue. There's no question in my mind. All right, I know. Before we're done, I got to head to the PGA Tour, but I know you want to get back to the Super Bowl because you were in great Super Bowls, and so how great is Mahomes? And and maybe you might even answer that question about just that defense was just mauling Mahomes in the beginning of this game, yeah. and then just. Completely lost in the second half. Yeah. We'll keep it rolling. XL Primetime. I'm headed to the PGA Tour, but Coach Campo hanging out with Matt and Mia. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. Nothing better than getting the uh, the weekly text on a Friday that my father has tuned into XL Primetime. For Coach Campo and for the Big Hair Heavy Metal, wanted to know if he could get one song suggestion in, get the last one of this lovely Friday on XL Primetime. So there you go, Dad. I love that Silent Walt is like a headbanger. That's number one. Well, number two, I can picture him in the basement with the headphones on, and your and your mom's walk around looking for him. And he's got his headphones on, his hands on his ears, going, "Nope, nope, I'm just rocking out, man. Nope." The best part is, if you ask him, he's tone deaf. That's why he has the bass turned all the way up in the car. Well, that's what he's hearing. Is he hearing the bass and the drums? He so hear maybe else. it really was. That, that, <laughs> listen, first 18 years of my life, I never would have expected my father to uh, be requesting that song. Always oh, loving it, by the way. He just sent me the thumbs up, so thank you, JJ. But here we are, uh, Coach Campo and XL Primetime. They make people do crazy things. And, and, Coach, you alluded to in the previous segment, you're still coming down from the hoopla that was the Super Bowl so for you, as we put a bow on that and we firmly turn our attention to the NFL draft and the NFL offseason next week, what do you make of the Kansas City Chiefs? Is it a dynasty? Are we fair in saying that now with back-to-back titles and three titles in five years that this is the next great NFL dynasty? Well, I think it's a dynasty now. I mean, to do that, you know, that's already proven uh, that, you know, you're the you're definitely a dynastic team, if that's a word. I don't know if that's a word or not. But, uh, yeah, and, and as long as they've got that quarterback, uh, if they're smart and building around it, because they're going to lose players. I mean, you know, that's one thing that we did in the, in the 90s, you know, losing every time we won, we lost players. And that's the nature of the NFL. But if, if, you, if you've got a good organization, which I believe they do, and you, you are willing to, to – stir the pot with new guys uh, if, if you're a good uh, evaluator and you get the right guys in there, you, they've got a chance to be pretty good for a long time. But they're going to have some decisions to make. Yes. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they're going to have to – they might have to let a guy walk, a good guy Well, they did, they did it with uh, Hill. Tyreek. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I, 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 you, listen, you can't keep them all. Uh, you know, I mean, Snead's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Chris Jones, Chris Jones is going to cost, cost a lot, lot of money. Of, I mean, what is Chris, Chris Jones sees what, what Juwan Taylor got. What is Chris Jones thinking he's going to get? Yeah, and that's a, that's a real factor because, to be honest with you, everybody's looking at Mahomes and looking at this guy and that guy. But Chris Jones in that game was probably as important as anybody. I mean, he had two touchdown passes possibly that he that he kept from happening by pressuring, uh, you know, uh, Purdy. There were guys open, and and he was looking at them. He that's where he was going to throw the ball. So uh, you know, they're going to have some decisions to make, and it's not easy. Creed Humphrey's coming guys. up too, right? Yeah, he'll be in entering his final or his final year of his rookie deal. Yeah. So you know, I, and Trey Smith too. The guard. Yeah, right. it it all comes down to how how uh, their draft setup and and their uh, free agency, the how they manage the cap. Uh, they're going to have to get some rid of some guys to to be able to pay the guys that get the big money. And if they can do that, they'll be okay. But it does get more difficult. There is windows there, but if you have the quarterback, you know you're you, at least you have the the number one peg, and now you have to be able to. Right, that's the key to everything. Yeah. That's, which is what makes this offseason so critical for this team. Absolutely. And the funny thing is we said this last year. We, we talked about, all right, this is it. This, I mean, you got to make everything perfect around this cat. And Absolutely. now it's more so than ever, right? And I want to be very clear. I'm not giving up on Trevor. I think Trevor Lawrence has got a chance to be a great player in the league. Right. And I don't use that word lightly with quarterbacks. I think he has a chance to be a great player. But I think he's got to work at it, and I think they've got to work at it by helping him become that great player. Yeah, no question about it. And, and I think it, uh, it's, not, it's not just as simple, but it's important that they have balance on offense with him, okay? And then let him be him. As long as there's, uh, you know, you've got the balance, then everything else can come off of that. And, and uh, you know, he has to – he got to take care of his own business, you know. With the, we talked about the fumbles, so, you know that that's, you know, there's the, no reason for that. He's right. got to be smarter than that. But. On on the other side of that Chiefs equation, of course, is the San Francisco 49ers, and I don't think we really got this from you on Tuesday. And even if we did, I'll ask it again because the fallout from the decision yeah. to take the ball in overtime has now been so highly scrutinized. The the mic'd up segments from both the Chiefs and the Niners, the Niners players that didn't realize the rules were different in the postseason, the Chiefs players who did know and thus were stunned that the Niners opted to take the ball. Kyle Shanahan saying, well, it's because we would get a third possession if we both scored a field goal, we both scored a touchdown. What did you make of all of that fallout over the last well, few I days? Well, I think it's 50-50. I mean, you know, you could, if, you, if, if they won and it ended up, them having the ball the third time, it would have been looks brilliant, good, brilliant, real, great move. You know, I, to me, it was. I even saw something. I don't know if it was satire or what that the official said. Are you sure you want the ball? I don't. I, I don't know if that's true or not. But I saw that. You know, when he said we want the ball, are you sure? You know. Uh, so uh, who knows if if they said that? I'm not sure. But listen, all those decisions are can be looked at after the game is over, and you can make an you know make an opinion. It's like you know you, you once you know the outcome, then it was a bad move. If if you lose, if you win, it was a great move. So you know it's either 
here or there to me. What's, what's your thought process, and I know this gets asked all the time, but what's your thought process on the college overtime versus the NFL overtime? And if, if, if you were to tweak the NFL overtime a little bit with the college rules, okay, like maybe start at midfield or start at the 45, um, does it give the defense a little bit more of an advantage? Because right now it seems like the offense, as long as you can stay on the field, you've got a chance to win in overtime. Yeah, I think the college one is is great because uh, first of all, it's tougher on the offense because you're you've got limited space right. now. You know, it, it, that's for me as a defensive coach, I don't have a problem with get have somebody having the ball on the twenty yard line in. You know, I'm I'm okay with that. I get a little nervous when it's the twenty five to the thirty five because that's when they can still take a right. shot Over on your you. head, right? But uh, I th- I like those rules. I think uh, the other thing I like about the rules, I don't like the fact that an NFL game during the season can end in a tie. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that at all. One team needs to win, one team needs to lose. So I like the fact that they go to the in college football. There is no tie. You're going one team's going to win, and and so I think they could tweak it with that. I I don't know. I I don't know what the thoughts are with the owners and the competition committee and all that. But uh, I think they did the right thing by changing the rule to where From each team death, yeah. Yeah, each yeah. team gets an opportunity. I mean, that, that's only fair in my opinion. They, they, they were the exact same team at the end of the year, I mean, at the end of the game, excuse me. Well, why should one team be able to just take the ball and go down and score and win? Right. You know, that's, that, I don't like that. Super Bowl 58 in the books. The NFL's 2023-2024 season officially over. It's time for baseball, Coach Campo. Pitchers and catchers reported. Absolutely. Uh, I won't ask for your full scouting report on the Yankees just yet, but we will head to the Diamond because that is where the Frangie Show is for the final day of the Walk-Off Charities High School Classic at Fort Family Park. We'll check in with them next coming up on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com careers, equal opportunity employer. And yes, I did say final day of the Walk-Off Charities High School Classic. Rain in the forecast already forced the games for tomorrow to move to today. So, Lauren Brooks, you guys have a full slate going on at the Bragan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Park, do you not? That's right, Mia. We certainly do. We have seven games today. Uh, The first has already started. That would be Trinity Christian and First Coast taking uh, on each other in baseball. And then also in baseball, 4 p.m. West Nassau Sandalwood, 7 p.m. Jackson Baldwin. And then at Inglewood at 6 p.m., Ed White at Inglewood. So, again, that game got moved to Inglewood because of all the rain, like you said, tomorrow. And then on the softball side, 4 p.m. Bishop Snyder versus Bishop Kinney, 7 p.m. Sandalwood Hilliard. That's on field one and then on field two we've got Providence versus Fletcher at three o'clock, Mandarin versus Nice at five fifteen, and Paxson versus Episcopal at seven thirty. Did you get all that? Did you write all that down? Did you get all that, Matt? Did you get all that, Coach Campbell? Yeah, just go out there and watch a lot of ball. How about that? There you go. That's well said, Matt. So obviously you can follow along with Walk Off Charities online uh, on social and, and you can keep up with everything. But yeah, it's a glorious day, a day five of us being out here. And we're once again in the best bet fun zone. And uh, it is just simply a beautiful day. And so certainly, like you said, hopefully everyone comes on out. No, you will have all the bases covered, pun intended. And Coach, <laughs> Coach, I know we uh, we got to get you out there as, as a lifelong baseball fan, Coach Campo. It is a beautiful facility. Lauren, Lauren, I'm jealous. 
Yeah, I can understand that. But you know what? You don't have to be jealous. You can come out here and hang out with us in the Adirondack chairs. We'll right. even put you on the microphone. Eat a hot dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, need, right. we need Coach doing the introductions. That'll be when he reads the, the, the lineup. Oh, man, that would be something else. Maybe next year. Lauren, have a great show. And, of course, the Frangie Show will be on until 6 p.m. again live from Fort Family Park. Thanks so much. Y'all have a great weekend. That will do it for XL Primetime on a Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. We will end as we always do with our anthem and Big John Henderson. For the Joe Cowart departed off to the PGA Tour, for Leon Searcy, for head coach Dave Campo, and for Matt Hayes and JJ LaSelva, I am Mia O'Brien. We will catch you later. Come on, Joe. That ain't good enough. You got to set the blood out my mouth. Let's go, baby. Whoa!